0: Hello everybody and welcome to SNEScapades.
1: Quick! Change the channel!
0: A uh, special episode of SNEScapades where we take a look at a movie based on a video game and overanalyze it and talk about it longer than anyone probably cares to listen because it's Thanksgiving weekend and you have to deal with your horrible relatives and we're going to try and help you ease the pain. (laughs) I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And we have a special guest with us today... Uh, Please, special guest, introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Trevor. Trevor, where are you from? What do you do? You're from the
2: Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Uh, Yes, I am indeed from the Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Uh, I've talked with both you folks uh, previously, uh, but never have we talked about uh, movies on on your show. Uh, You've been on my show, the Catching Up on Cinema podcast, uh, to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie
1: yeah which i would say is an al- almost an unofficial episode of quick change the channel uh if you haven't listened to that if you if if you have uh heard our our episodes on the street fighter movie and the double dragon movie and you do want to hear us talk for uh, like a couple of hours about the super mario brothers movie with uh with trevor and his co-host go listen to that cuz it's it's good fun
0: yeah we had a lot of fun doing that one and it also means we don't have to talk about the mario brothers here on our show because uh we've we feel like we've already done that yeah we are done with mario brothers movies because um whatever this next one is that comes out in the next couple of years i will almost certainly <laughs> never watch it
1: so trevor uh what's what's the deal with your podcast what what do you guys do on
2: that uh well on catching up on cinema the the basic premise initially anyway uh was that it was a show where we would uh me and my co-host kyle uh, we would introduce each other to films uh, so the basic premise was one of us would be intimately familiar with the film in question, uh, and the other person would be seeing it for the first time. So it's kind of like a show-and-tell uh, type situation, but with the added bonus of having one person be really high on the on the thing, and then the other person just kind of coming into it fresh. So sometimes you get disagreements, but either way you get two, two interesting perspectives, hopefully about an interesting film. But uh, a while back uh we did have a video games movie month uh where we spent an entire month uh just talking about uh video game adaptations to film uh which was where we ended up talking with you you folks uh about the Super Mario Brothers movie and it was very appropriate because of course that was the first like big budget theatrical uh video game adapted film at the time uh previous to that we had had video game movies uh but they were based on original ip this was this was based on a pre-existing franchise um, and yeah, it was wonderful having you both on that show. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that collaboration. So I'm really, I'm really happy to be back uh, to talk about uh, some more video game movies. That's right. Uh, really kind
1: of uh, the what, one of the, the most, I guess you would say, beloved video game movies from this sort of like initial burst of them that happened. Uh, we're talking about Mortal Kombat today. It has begun.
0: It sure has. And I, I have to say, you know, not to give too much away about my overall opinions of this movie, but uh, I don't know. I watched it and I just thought, so this is the one that everybody says is the really good video game adaptation, huh?
1: Well, I think there's reasons for that that go sort of beyond the quality of the movie. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit, because I, I think in some ways you 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 could you can easily say, You know, you you can easily see why why people had a different reaction to this movie than they did have to say the Mario movie. This one uh, was a 1995 movie. Uh, This came out really kind of right in the the, uh, I would say kind of at the height of Mortal Mania.
0: I want to push back on that a little bit uh, because I think maybe this this was a little bit late to the party, honestly, because by 1995, um, like Mortal Kombat 3 might have already been out.
1: You see, uh, my my information that I found says that it was not out yet.
0: But we definitely had Mortal Kombat 1 and 2, and those had been a- around for a while. Like, Mortal Kombat 3 oh, was yeah. on the way. So I almost feel like, a, as in adaptation of, very specifically, Mortal Kombat 1 with a few elements of future games, maybe this one was
1: just a little bit late to the party. Uh, here's the thing, though. I think that people were never higher on Mortal Kombat than after Mortal Kombat 2 okay. came out yeah. and before Mortal Kombat 3 came out. Because I think Mortal Kombat 3 was kind of like the point at which people started to feel like maybe this thing was like spinning too far out of like uh, away from like what people originally liked about it. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, that was certainly still an extremely successful game. And, you know, there was a lot of Mortal Kombat stuff after that. But I do think that at least from my memory, uh, speaking, uh, you know, of my You know, when I was a kid, when this came out, uh, this felt like the absolute perfect time for a Mortal Kombat movie to happen. But I don't know what do what do you what do you think? uh, I think
2: I think you're both kind of right. Like I I hate to be that guy who kind of (laughs) tries to come straight down the middle with things, but um, oh, a centrist over here. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the the timing of the release, uh, I feel like it it was it was early enough to capitalize on the height of the the Mortal Kombat sensation that was going on uh, kind of globally uh, but at the same time uh, you're absolutely right Emmy uh, Mortal Kombat 3 I want to I want to say kind of represent the transition point where it's like okay we're we're kind of blowing things a little out of proportion this roster is bananas to say the least um, you know, we've moved quite, uh-huh. quite far away from our, our humble uh, Shaolin monks and ninjas and reptile people into, okay, we have centaurs. Okay, we're doing that now.
1: <laughs> we got, we got robots. We got, we got a, a, a lady with four arms now and she's got like leopard spots for some <laughs> yeah, reason. Precisely.
2: And by the time yeah. you get into like MK4, it's yeah. like, okay, we've, we've kind of like pushed it too far and we've changed the technology such that the novelty is worn th- yeah. worn thin but um i want to say the release date i actually was looking it up while you were talking because i didn't know but uh it looks like mortal kombat 3 had just come out okay okay um but it was still early days such that the release of the movie would certainly coincide with that and act as like a, a marketing synergy in. Inst-
1: that, that's right, because there was a thing uh, which we we can't get to sidetracked talking about this, but I feel like it's worth bringing up. There's an absolutely dreadful uh, Mortal Kombat animated direct to video <laughs> thing called Mortal Kombat. The Journey yep. Begins that came out essentially as like a, a it was basically like an ad for this movie that you could that you could rent from Blockbuster. Uh, it had horrible 2D animation uh, and uh, over like really bad CG backgrounds. And it pretty much told like a worst version of the uh, the first third of this movie, like the, ver- the 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 parts like leading up to the actual tournament starting in about 45 minutes. And I remember it actually had uh, over its credits at the end of the, the video, um, it, it would flash these symbols and they were the the symbols you could put in on Mortal Kombat 3 as like codes to make special things happen in the matches. So yeah, actually this would have really quite closely lined up with, with Mortal Kombat three coming out. So, so yeah, uh, apologies. I guess I I was, I was, uh, I was wrong there, but but I do think it is
0: kind of funny too, though, that like Mortal Kombat three sort of represented like the, the series, not necessarily in decline, but definitely no longer at the absolute peak of its popularity. Even though I would argue that the mechanics for those original 2D games were never better than they were in 3. Because when you really get down to it, the original Mortal Kombat games, probably going to say something kind of controversial here, they're not very good fighting games. Absolutely every character has the exact same basic move set. The only difference between them is their special moves. Mortal Kombat 3 at least introduced things like unique combos to characters, a run button.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I think it was like, getting more mechanically robust as a fighting game in a way that like the first two weren't I, I will actually just like straight up say I don't think Mortal Kombat One's a very good game and I think that like if it weren't for its hook of having blood and guts and fatalities and everything the series wouldn't have even gotten off the ground I don't think that like it's a it's a really pretty game or, or interesting looking game until Mortal Kombat 2 when they really like polished everything up. You know, the the digitized actor sprites looked really, really good. The fatalities were a lot more creative and, and kind of funny in a way. Uh, they, they kept putting in all these little secrets like friendship moves and secret characters and everything.
1: No, I, I pretty much agree with all of that. I would say probably the thing that started to be a problem with Mortal Kombat 3 was that it sort of started losing the vibe a little bit. Like the whole kind of like post-apocalyptic Earth thing it had going on, I think was just a little bit too far from what originally drew like me to the series. uh, To the point where I started to feel like it wasn't quite the same thing anymore. I I think as a game, it probably is the best one of those. You know, it's, it's definitely got more going on mechanically and it's got so many characters, especially Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, which would come out a Yeah,
0: Ultimate later, and then Mortal Kombat yeah. Trilogy, which was basically like an even more expanded uh, <laughs> Ultimate Mortal
1: Kombat 3. Yeah, yeah. This movie... We're talking about today. They started working on kind of uh, apparently well Mortal Kombat 2 was playtesting. Uh, was when this movie producer visited Midway and he had the idea, you know, hey, we should buy the rights to this and make a movie out of it. This, this seems like a hot thing, all the kids are into. Um, and Midway was kind of hesitant to to sell the rights just because they didn't think it would be a good movie and the The video game movies that existed at that time, uh, basically Super Mario Brothers, had not been well received. Uh, So, yeah, but Lawrence uh, Kazanoff, this is the the producer, he did end up with the rights to it and he made a kind of a lot of hay out of that, I guess you'd say. Uh, And this this movie kind of they immediately started working on it. Uh, they found Paul W. S. Anderson, who had directed like one movie before, uh, and thought he would be a good fit for it. And uh, yeah, they just really kind of cranked this machine into overdrive to to get this movie made. Based on his long career directing video game movies, it was a good thing for both him and the the movie uh, <laughs> to to have the to, to to be connected to each other. Because yeah, I think he does have you know kind of a fun. Uh, visual visual style that he brings to this and a uh, kind of just uh, just barely f- coherent uh you know i'll just put this shot in here whatever it doesn't matter if it if it looks good or not uh you know sort of thing going on that i, I think actually does kind of benefit this movie in certain places
2: yeah uh, at times it does devolve into to what the the kids used to call uh, mTV style editing mm-hmm. uh, however i don't know if that term still applies being as i don't imagine MTV plays many music videos these days. Um, but yeah, he has a long storied career working in the, in the video game adaptation world. Yeah. Most um, of them,
1: most of them starring his wife.
2: Yes. Uh, Mila Jovovich is his wife and, uh, yes, they, they work together on the set. Uh, hopefully they have a really good relationship based on, uh, how, how much their, uh, their work life balance plays out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he kind of was the, the shepherd, uh, at one point, it almost felt like the reluctant shepherd of the uh, the Resident Evil film yeah, franchise. Yeah, he kind of
1: stepped back from that for, for a little while and then kind of went back to it and like fully embraced it, and directed like three of those things in a row.
2: Yeah, yeah. He tried to take some steps away from the video game adaptation stuff. But, you know, every time he thought he was out, they pulled him back in. Every time he tries to
0: get away and do something new... uh the, the, the spear of video game movies gets thrust into
2: his chest and shouts, get over here. That's right. And he's yanked <laughs> back violently. That's right, yeah. I mean it's funny though, because like some of his better movies, in my opinion anyway, have been non-video game movies. Well, I mean, like Event Horizon. Yeah, the, is Event the big Horizon, one. I
1: was gonna say Event Horizon is a really fun, really nasty sci-fi horror movie that that he made. And uh, you know, like, I uh, I am glad that he was able to make that movie instead of doing, like, I don't know, a third Mortal Kombat or something or whatever else he would have been working on if he had been doing video game movies then. And um, yeah, and he's still at it. He did the Monster Hunter movie, which came out just, uh, I guess, was that this year or was that 2020? I cannot remember now.
2: Uh, yeah, it was 2020.
1: Yeah. And uh, I saw that. It's like half of a fun movie. Uh, it's like half <laughs> of a fun movie. And then it just sort of stops.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, actually, he wasn't tapped uh, to do the the remake or the, the, the reboot of oh, Mortal Kombat. I know,
1: it seems like he would actually still be in like the the right space to do that. Uh, have you guys have you guys seen that movie? Uh, we're not going to talk too much about it here because I think that. That might be fodder for a, a later episode of this show. But have you, have you guys seen the 2021 Mortal Kombat
2: movie? Uh, yes, uh, we I have seen it a couple of times. I, I reviewed it for Catching Up on Cinema, and it's funny actually. Uh, Mortal Kombat movies we've we've reviewed: uh, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and Mortal Kombat 2020 or 2021. Um, they all ended up being kind of the longest episodes we ever did. Um, (laughs) Like Mortal Kombat 95 was like a three hour episode, but um, Mortal Kombat 2021 was, uh, it was very not good. Um, It it, It was very not good. It was very not good. (laughs) Yeah. I, I
0: actually have not seen that movie, and I think my knowledge base of Mortal Kombat 2021 actually comes from listening to your episode <laughs> about it. Because um, I, I remember distinctly that is where I discovered that like characters like Nitara and Reiko were in the movie, and I was like, wait, what? And then it dawned on me, oh, wait a minute, this is a Mortal Kombat movie. They need people
2: to kill off, so that's probably what their role was in the movie. Yeah, if you're it, going to advertise your is. film on the strength of fatalities, you're going to need some cannon fodder, and it may as well be the likes of Nitara and Reiko. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm
0: shocked Husu uh, Hao wasn't Oof. among that list, because uh, Ed Boon himself seems to really
2: hate <laughs> that character. I mean, the the character design, you just look at him. like If you are to to point at a whole crowd of Mortal Kombat characters, is like, Oh yeah, he's got to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like honestly, I, mean, I, I
0: will say like the, the whole like PS2 era of Mortal Kombat. Like there were some interesting ideas there, but they did not come up with a single interesting character w- except for like maybe Bo Raicho.
1: They do name drop Bo Raicho in the, the in the 2021 movie, so uh, it is possible that uh, that guy could show up in a sequel to it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs>
0: Do we want to talk about our own personal experiences with Mortal Kombat before we, like, really jump into the movie proper uh, 20 minutes into this episode? (laughs) Trevor, you're our guest. Why don't you
2: start? Uh, So I'm I'm of the age range that I I was very much on the ground floor uh, for the all the Mortal Kombat hype. Uh, I remember all the the hype in the arcades and all the uh, uh, the playground chatter at school about all the fatalities and all the gore and um when the home ports uh for the first game were coming uh to the consoles that would be the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo um and personally for me uh in in the early days of the franchise and honestly to this day uh, I I've never been like a a hardcore fan of Mortal Kombat there there was interest there more curiosity because of you know the blood and guts aspect of the presentation Um, And some of the iconography, like the the Shaw Brothers kind of aesthetic they had going in the earlier games uh, that Emmy had pointed out kind of got diluted a little bit by the time you got to the third game um, and then heading on into the later chapters. But early on, yeah, I was more curious uh, with the franchise. I think my brother purchased the first game for the Super Nintendo or or convinced my parents to get it for us. That was the one that had uh, the sweat. Instead of the blood. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's some real sweaty people on that
2: island. Real sweaty ninjas. (laughs) But um I think he returned it uh within like a week of of receiving it. Uh because he he figured out the the AI aside like with the exception of Goro, all he was doing was sweeping people repeatedly. And the computer couldn't really get beyond that, and then I was incompetent at the game because he wouldn't teach me how to play. So he was just, like, left with, no, like, no way to derive enjoyment from playing this, you know, competitive versus game. So he was like, I have Street Fighter 2. I I think I'm just going to keep playing Street Fighter 2. So that's what we did. Like, we held on to Street Fighter. In fact, I still have the same cartridge from back then. But Mortal Kombat I uh, never really took up residence in our home aside from that. Like, MK2... I think was just a rental and that was like the big one in the arcades that I remember. It was MK2, everybody always crowded around the cabinet for that one. MK3, not nearly as much, but MK2, that was always the one you had to fight just to get on the thing and then you'd end up inevitably getting paired up with someone who, you know, had already dumped like $50 into the thing and had learned all the moves and all the exploits and stuff and would they just mop the floor with you. So uh going through a few of those experiences it kind of teaches you that it's like you know i i think i'd rather go play something else it's like i'd I'd rather not get my butt kicked in two seconds i'd rather play something like bubble bobble that i can like extend the life of a quarter on or something um but yeah mortal Kombat in the early days it was a phenomenon it was super popular everybody was talking about like all the kids my age and stuff and i think i think the timing of the movie release coming back uh to the release date of this this film Mortal Kombat 95 I think it really was kind of perfect because at this point I think we'd had maybe a season and a half of Power Rangers on TV uh we'd been kind of immersed in in the Ninja Turtles world since the since the mid to late 80s like ninjas and martial arts were really really popular um so it, the timing was very very right for this movie to come out and the hype surrounding it was was massive like the my brother always points out that they had kind of like a an alien 3 style early promo for the movie it was just kind of like two unnamed martial artist extras going at it with like the mortal Kombat like mortal Kombat. and it's like that's all you need man just the promise of people hitting each other and that just that music cue and like all like all the kids were super hyped about it and then when it came out like it was fine like, like, I don't remember anybody, like, being totally over the moon about the movie in 1995, but nobody was unhappy with it. Um, like, not like Super Mario Brothers, where we just, just pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> even as kids, it's like, yeah. I Like, I remember being at the grocery store and just, like, pointing, like, going, like, through the shelves and whatnot. And, like, my mom's like, oh, they have a Mario Brothers movie. You want to rent that? It's like, No i'm good (laughs) it's like you haven't seen it before and it's new it's like yeah i'm good (laughs) um but these days uh i don't know mortal kombat continues to be a curiosity for me Uh, i i end up picking up the the newer games in the franchise on like steam for like pennies like years after they've already been out so i i've played mkx i've played mk11 I mostly have a handle on the the copious amounts of lore uh, that the franchise has spawned, uh, in spite of being, you know, honestly just a, a fighting game. Like, it really doesn't need a story, and yet they've, they've filled tons of Wikipedia pages about each and every one of these characters, uh, very few of whom I can be bothered to care about, but... Uh, I have a similar relationship, I guess, these days to, to Mortal Kombat that I do to, like, superhero comics. It's like, I don't read them. I don't actively play them. And yet, just through osmosis or something, I just seem to know a lot about them. Well, yeah, with so many
0: characters, it is a really cool series to read and or write a wiki about.
2: Well, and then you have the problem with, with a fighting game franchise where it's like, have you ever tried to... Have either of you ever tried to read, like, a wiki wiki for a Street Fighter character?
1: I have. Yeah, I've read all of it. It's a nightmare. It's it's rough. Yeah, I've read I've read so much stuff about Cody. I've tried to figure out his whole deal uh, in relation to the various series he's in. Um, Yeah, I mean, even even like like Vega or Bison or any of those folks like, yeah, it's no like. The, the fighting game series, this is a real sidetrack, fighting game series that I do not really play at all, but that I am kind of like fascinated by the lore of is Tekken. So like every once in a while, I'll go and like read about what like King <laughs> has been up to from Tekken in the most recent games. It's like, man,
2: that dude's life is weird. <laughs> <laughs> how many orphanages has he founded over the past several decades so many so many
0: yeah to have the life experience of a, of a fighting game character it's like all right i've i've you know, accomplished so much. And uh, how old am I? Oh, I'm like 25. Am I still 25 eight years later? I might yeah, be. They, uh, they kind of know.
2: play by the Marvel playbook where it's like, when did that happen? When did Street Fighter 2 happen? Oh, about five years ago. It's right, like, <laughs> the fighting scale <laughs> yeah, of time. Yeah. 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 And, and the worst part about fighting game wikis is the the continual problem of which ending for which character is quote, Canon, like <laughs> yes. who, who beat yeah. whom, yeah. when <laughs> it's like, I don't know. None, of, like none of this may as well have happened because we can't agree on any of it. It's like, we have a couple of constants. It's like uncle Ben is dead and Saga has a scar on his chest. That's it. Everything yeah. else is very fluid.
1: <laughs> now, one thing that I think is pretty helpful for mortal combat, uh, for the mortal Kombat movie uh, is the fact that it came out after Mortal Kombat 2, so there was a definitive winner to the tournament from the first game, and it's Liu Kang. Because I feel like that saves them a lot of trouble with trying to like figure out which one of these people needs to be like the actual main character here. It doesn't really help that much because Liu Kang has like five different motivations, and it changes like multiple times within certain scenes, uh, just sort of <laughs> randomly, but. Uh, It is nice that they are at least like, no, this guy's the chosen one. He's the one who's going to have the big final showdown with the bad guy. Yeah, Yeah.
2: actually, like not to jump the gun entirely, but one compliment that I can pay to this movie, regardless of the quality of the film itself. One one thing I think is really important to note about this coming out in 1995 and about it being successful is that one of the coolest things this movie does is it kind of clarifies or, or like crystallizes some of the identity of the franchise to some extent, because like we certainly move past this era in the franchise, like especially in the PS2 era that we had mentioned earlier that kind of got a little hairy. But um, now that we're back to MK11, which is very explicitly paying homage uh, to the earliest games in the franchise, uh, a lot of the iconography and a lot of the characterization can be tied back mostly to this movie rather than any of the games it's just because this thing was pretty successful and has a pretty significant cultural footprint
1: yeah like kano for example precisely kano is kano going forward will just be the kano from this movie yeah
2: the voice like his accent i, I don't think he was intended to be an aussie uh, from day one it's just like we got this guy sometimes he yeah. plays aussies i i guess forevermore <laughs> kano's gonna be from australia <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it kind of works. Like,
0: I will say, I think that's one thing the movie really nailed was getting a good identity for Kano that stuck. And uh, and yeah, I, I do like how uh
2: the actor played him. Um, let me look up his name really quick. He tried to sell me uh, m- uh, wet mops back in the day. <laughs> uh, his Trevor Goddard is his name. Uh-huh. Ah, uh, okay, and, yeah. yeah. He used to do these commercials where he'd show up in this this poor this poor woman's kitchen, and a a, a dang kangaroo would be tra- traipsing mud through her kitchen, and, and then Trevor Goddard would have to show up in his Steve Steve Irwin shorts. You
1: know, so, so here's something absolutely hilarious that is um, it's on the Wikipedia page for this movie, so take it um, with a grain of salt, maybe. But according to this, uh, he was actually trying to do a Cockney accent. And what? Yeah, and everyone <laughs> misinterpreted it as Australian. So that's why Kano's Australian <laughs> It's because it was supposed to be a Cockney accent. Because he
2: utterly failed in his acting. <laughs> job. He,
1: he did such a bad job. <laughs> Took at the that words right out of my that mouth. He actually did a good version of another accent.
2: Well, and as <laughs> at case in point, that uh, that commercial that I'm referencing. <laughs> like, apparently, this became his thing. <laughs> like, he would forevermore be the the Australian guy. The the like questionable Aussie where it's like (laughs) is he I don't actually know Emmy, did you want
1: to talk about yeah. your experience? Um, yeah, sure. I, I think Kombat? I've already talked about it a little bit in other places, but I was I was pretty uh, pretty big fan of Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know, I was riding the the hype wave just like everybody else. Um, like Trevor mentioned, the schoolyard chatter about this game was like huge. Like everyone sharing secrets and talking about like different things you could do in the games, and like then like going to the arcade and trying them. And sometimes they were true, and sometimes they weren't. Uh, but uh, my, one of my big memories with Mortal Kombat is uh, I had a friend whose dad um, operated vending machines and he also operated some uh, arcade machines that were just in like the lobbies of like a community college or whatever. And they had uh, he had a, a Mortal Kombat 2 machine. So, um, you know, one day uh, he took me and my friend uh, to, you know, the, the community college where the machine was and opened it up. Let us, you know, do like free play on it. And we did all the stuff you had to do to get the like secret characters in that game, which some of them involved like playing like 50 matches in a row uh, and and stuff. So, yeah, really vivid memories of that. Uh, I was um, I was really excited for this movie. Uh, you know, like I said, I think it was like kind of just the right time for me uh, to be like super, super hyped for it. They uh, talked it up a bunch in the video game magazines of the time. Like I remember, there was one uh, spread in some magazine, maybe like uh, like like EGM or something, that had like uh, a big article with like a bunch of pictures from the sets. And it's like, wow, that really looks like Mortal Kombat. That's really cool. And you know, then it came out, and uh, it was. And uh, I, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was into it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, I, I you know, was pleased that this was like, so, okay, my mom took me to a bunch of movies that were terrible as a kid because I wanted to see them. This was one of the ones she did not mind as much. And that made me happy too. Oh, she okay. may have, uh, may have, you know, just been happy that it, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't the Mario brothers movie, but <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> Mortal Kombat 3, as I kind of already mentioned, was kind of where it started to lose me a little bit. And then I never played for uh, I did not like the look of that game with its really ugly 3D characters. I was kind of like just played out on Mortal Kombat as a thing at that point. And then, yeah, I kind of started to get back into it in like the PS2 era, even though those, those games were. A little dicey, but they were also fun and they had a lot of cool that they had like the the, the the PS2 games were really where Mortal Kombat started to take the like smorgasbord of content approach. So they had weird stuff like, you know, puzzle games and like a cart racer and and, you a know, stuff racer, like that. Yeah. It had all the stuff with like the, the extensive amount of like unlockable things and that was all really cool to me. And then like when the series kind of fully clawed its way back into like respectability with like Mortal Kombat 9, uh, yeah, I was really into it. So I, I I wouldn't say I'm like a super fan of Mortal Kombat, but I've always liked it and I've always been ready for it to, to delight me. You know, if it's good, I will be there for Mortal Kombat.
0: Alright, so I guess it's my turn then. Um so when Mortal Kombat first hit the scene, my parents actually convinced me that it was it was a bad thing, and I definitely should not um play it or or be excited about it. So I was actually like one of those weird kids like, ah, oh, no, all this blood and guts. This is just awful, awful. Uh, I got over it, luckily, by the time Mortal Kombat 2 happened, which, you know, as a Super Nintendo kid, that kind of works out because Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo was awful and Mortal Kombat 2 on the Super Nintendo was pretty darn good. So...
1: Yeah, Mortal Kombat Two is a great. Uh, that's a great port of of that game on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, demo.
0: absolutely. So luckily, you know, by the time Mortal Kombat Two came around, I was all hyped up for Mortal Kombat like everyone else. I remember, you know, seeing like commercials for Mortal Kombat Two coming to consoles. I remember that commercial for the Tiger LCD game, which couldn't have possibly been any good. So you know, and I and I think for me, like a big reason why. I kind of feel like the game missed the mark. It it did very much miss the mark for me in particular because it came out like a few months after I had moved from my hometown. So I was no longer amongst kids that were console gamers. Everybody in the new area was a PC gamer and into Doom and everything. So I did not have anybody to play Mortal Kombat with. I did not have anybody who cared about Mortal Kombat. So... Yeah, I kind of fell off the series a little bit by the time the movie had come out because of that. So it might just be a me thing then as to why I sort of feel like um, it it maybe was just a little bit too late in coming out. Without uh, anything further, unless there's anything else anyone wants to mention, we will start getting into this, this film.
1: So this film, uh, it kind of breaks down pretty cleanly into three parts. We're gonna we're gonna kind of talk through those as they come. Um, so let's start at the beginning, and uh, we start with some scenes that kind of introduce our three main characters. Uh, there's Liu Kang, uh, Sonia Blade, and Johnny Cage, and um, they all get kind of their own intro thing. Uh, Lou actually gets a couple of intro scenes. Yeah, and so Liu's intro scene. Honestly, like, I'm
0: still not entirely sure what is going on with Liu Kang's thing here. Like, we, we, I think we open this movie with the scene of his brother fighting Shang Tsung, who, you know, in the video games is this sorcerer who, who sort of ran like the first Mortal Kombat on behalf of Shao Kahn, the, the, the series yeah. most notable big bad. And um, he's fighting, a kid who we learn pretty quickly is Liu Kang's younger brother, younger brother,
1: I think. Yeah. Yeah. Younger brother. I think is is the implication. Now,
0: Liu Kang did not actually witness this fight the way we're sort of meant to believe from the stream sequence, right? Like Shang Tsung looks at the Uh, camera points and says, you're next. And then kills Liu Kang's brother. But like, this is
1: just like him, I guess, imagining it's like what the fight was. It's, it's, so it's one of two things, I think. Either it could just because he's he's already received a telegram, which we see after he wakes up from the dream, uh, a really funny telegram from his his grandfather that's like, "Liu Kang, brother dead, return home." Uh, so it could just be him like imagining what happened, but also later on. Um, his, his grandfather is like, Liu Kang has been given the dream. He is the chosen one. So I think maybe it's supposed to be him having like a prophetic dream or like a like a, you know, you know, it's it's like his destiny is like calling him or something. Okay. So, can we yeah. also talk
0: about after Liu Kang has his nightmare and he wakes up? Where is he looks like he's in the Ninja Turtle sewers because everything's concrete underground it's really and green. very green. Yeah. yeah.
1: Look, Liu Kang does not have a lot of money. He is in a, a bad basement apartment in, like, Daily City or something. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's, well, I mean,
2: he why is he it has so enough to afford this, this swank little apartment and uh, uh, quite a bit of protein powder as well. Uh, cause... Dude, he is so jacked. Like, he has zero so, percent. So I want to
1: talk a little bit about... Um, so, Robin, uh, is it Shu or Shao?
2: Oh, I've always said it show, but i I always defer to Japanese pronunciation for a lot of things, and he is decidedly uh-huh. not Japanese. So. <laughs> yeah uh-huh.
1: so, so he is a remarkable looking man. He is extremely he is extremely fit. Uh, he has bulging neck muscles like a Dragon Ball Z character. And just some of the most beautifully luscious hair I think has ever been. And yeah, film. Like, I'm glad you're, you're
2: drawing attention to this fact because like, I I've always been baffled by how he didn't really blow up as like a big deal because he, he, he has all uh-huh. the boxes. checked. Yeah. Like he's incredibly handsome. He's fit. He can perform the, the stunt work. Uh, he's multilingual on top of that. Um, but aside from like, having small cameo roles in some of the other paul ws anderson films like death race in particular uh he really didn't really do a whole lot outside of like he was in beverly hills ninja and of course he was in it but he wasn't really a big deal but i mean what's kind of amazing to me is like if you look back in his filmography the man worked opposite donnie yen like in in hong kong so he, he had chops like from a physical yeah. and from an acting standpoint across multiple languages. And yet he just he never really took off as much as I would have hoped. And it, it always disappoints me.
1: <laughs> me. Me too. He's charismatic. And yeah, like, a, you know, I think he's got he's got the goods. He, he could have really blown up. But uh, yeah, yeah, this this movie, um, you know, so this movie is, is kind of like, I think, sort of the main the main thing he's he's known for in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean,
0: I mean, he absolutely is like the the shining star of this movie. Like the, the script doesn't give him a lot to do. But other than that, like he is hands down the most competent fighter here by a mile. And honestly, like I think he is kind of a better actor than most of the rest of the cast, if I'm being real here. But I, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little harsh well, there. He, he brings
2: um, a sincerity to his performance that really being Liu Kang at this stage in the character's narrative anyway doesn't really require a whole lot more than that like yeah later on obviously the character will become more complicated like mul- multiple decades worth of games and yeah. story can do that i mean I, I, you mean like where he becomes a zombie? Thank you. Yes, <laughs> we th- yes, we did, in fact, have a Liu Kang zombie as a playable character at one point in the franchise history. Uh, Robin <laughs> Cho, I don't know if he would have had the acting chops for that, uh, <laughs> but it, I would have liked to have seen it.
1: <laughs> that, that's a tall order right there, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so we've got Robin Cho as uh, Liu um, Kang, and then we—I'm um, trying to think, do we see Johnny Cage next, or do we—
1: no, next is Sonia. Okay. Johnny's the last one. Um, so we get Sonia's intro next, where she and Jacks and some other members of, uh, and this is this is uh, Bridget Wilson as as Sonia uh, is a a special forces soldier, and they are just like. They're just causing I think they're just causing trouble in some Hong Kong nightclub looking for Kano like they're like barging through, you know, with like guns drawn, barging through like a crowd that's dancing. And it's like this was there not a back door or something? It's almost well, like it, not it, all it.
2: cops are bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, and just the number of random people that just get hit with the back of a shotgun. <laughs> in <this> <laughs> scene <laughs> Like they're just raving. They're just dancing. And then I, they, nobody has any weapons drawn at this point. They're just vibing. And then this lady rolls up with a shotgun, just bashes them in the back of the head. And, and one thing about this movie is that the sound effects are, are very explicit. Oh yeah. Like anytime, anytime anybody gets a little love tap, it's like, whoosh, it's like an Indiana Jones thwack. Yeah. And so all these hits, like even though they look fairly light like the sound is just deafening such that it's like oh my god i think she just brained that dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah but one thing i wanted to point out in the scene is that um and this was this was something that they most certainly i believe tried to address like right out the gate um with the marketing for mortal kombat 2021 uh, is that the way they tried to market that one? Is that hey, you know what was missing from all the other Mortal Kombat films? Uh, fatalities, uh, and for the most part, blood and gore and whatnot. Um, and it's important to note that this was 1995, video game movies and uh, violence in video games were something that were uh, kind of in the headlines at the day. Um, and this movie was PG 13. Um, And it shows to some extent. One one thing that's really funky about this scene is we get a moment where Sonya blasts a dude with a shotgun, but we take special care to, like, train the camera on the guy and show that he had, like, a super-duper bulletproof vest. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, Yeah yeah he's totally fine (laughs) don't don't worry (laughs) folks uh one of our guys
1: didn't just murk a dude yeah
2: (laughs) but like just for funsies just for the pyrotechnics of of seeing a lady blast a dude with a shotgun yeah uh, in your action movie they still included it but like really it's like what was honestly what was the point of that because
1: the guy's (laughs) gotta tell her where Kano went
2: Yeah, so we Uh, can demonstrate that Sonya's tough. She won't take no guff. That's (laughs) right.
1: So, yeah, Sonya's hunting Kano, uh, who we are told in kind of a cutaway to Kano talking to Shang Tsung uh, that uh, Kano killed her partner. So she's on the hunt for him. And um, he is uh, Kano is is being kind of employed by Shang Tsung to to lead Sonya into being part of the tournament. Yeah. There's some gross stuff. Everyone, I'll say, everyone in this movie is pretty gross to Sonya. Um, And that definitely starts here with Kano being like, oh, maybe me and I should share a honeymoon suite on the boat. And um, yeah, you know. uh. Also, uh, Shang Tsung threatens to cut out Kano's other eye so that he'll, quote, need a seeing eye dog. And um, does that mean that Kano can't actually see out of the robot eye? I thought he could see out of the robot eye.
2: I'm pretty sure he can see out of the robot eye. <laughs> if we establish that that robot
0: eye is for anything other than the occasional laser to shoot out of it at this point in Mortal Kombat lore. Like, do it, does anyone remember?
1: I don't know. I mean, you know, it's worth noting that Kano does not actually shoot a laser out of the eye in this movie. Uh, that's like the one right. thing they don't do. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I think oh. that uh, it's... Uh, just a really rad prosthetic at this point. <laughs> yeah, I guess now that I think about it, he
0: hasn't actually shot anybody with a laser out of his eye yet because he wasn't even in Mortal Kombat 2, except in the except in the background of uh, Shang Tsung Slayer.
2: It's
1: true.
0: Yeah, he, he
2: was just tied up, and yeah, his fatality in the first game was the heart rip. So I uh, I don't think he did anything with the eyeball until what the third one, maybe. Yeah, I think so no cano ball in this movie, by the way, that's something that they probably should have figured oh, out with the wire, yeah. with the wire team. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. They managed to do the bicycle kick. They, they couldn't do the cano ball.
2: Yeah. At, at some point I want to see a Blanca ball and I want to see a cano ball oh, on, God, yes. on, film Absolutely. in live action. With yeah. The wire I, I think Kano <laughs> is
0: tragically underutilized in this movie. Um, because uh, he gets killed off pretty quick, not to jump the gun too he much. He does get but. killed
1: off, and um, he's pretty much just for for exposition, and also for Sonya to to kill him.
2: Um, yeah, this was early days in the franchise, so it's like one of those situations where it's like they didn't really know what they had just yet. Because these days, Kano is kind of like I don't know the the Joker to Sonya's Batman, and to some extent. It's like it's it's in your best interest as a writer to just keep him in the game as long as possible because every character is somebody's favorite out there. Kano's a pretty good scoundrel, he's a good person for Sonya to be perpetually pursuing, such that it was kind of a big deal when they come to come to blows in MK11. But at this point in the franchise, it's just like, oh, who's that Kano guy? It's like, well, he's got a goofy eye and uh, she doesn't like him. Yeah, I <laughs> <it's>
0: like, <laughs> I really think Kano should have gotten a scene where he was just fighting a nobody in the tournament and, and took them out with his, you know, fatality, or at least, you know, a, a PG-13-esque version of that. Um, because not only does Kano not get to really do anything cool, despite the fact that he's such a strong personality, um, he is not the least bit intimidating. Like by the time like he and Sonya fight, you know, and we'll we'll get to it, but like it's it's a it's a really, really uninteresting fight and Kano just comes off as a complete chump who is all talk and no
2: action and I think it's a real shame. Yeah, he he's a total jobber and it, it's like it's like, I don't know, wrestling or or just like tournament movie 101. Like the, the way you you hype up someone is show them squash. Right. Like, yeah. A, a random red shirt or yeah. something so yeah just have kano participate in the tournament maybe psych out sonya or attempt to psych her out by doing his heart rip or just like totally trouncing somebody some no name or like a Shu Hao type character, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and, but no, they don't do that. They just skip right to the part where it's like, can we just get Trevor Goddard off the set? He's just, he's wrecking craft services. He, he's, he makes these sandwiches. They're like 15 inches tall. It's ridiculous. <laughs> i call this one a dogwood, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: it. I love it. Um Yeah. And then uh, I guess we move on to uh, to Johnny's intro, which is pretty cool. I think it's pretty well shot. Uh, You know, I really like the shot of the like hangar doors opening to reveal him. He fights some guys. He has probably one of the more famous lines in the movie when he, uh, he he you know, he takes down all of these guys that are, you know, have like different weapons. And the last guy just like doesn't go down. And he's like, this is the part where you fall down. Uh, and the guy doesn't dive because, of course, they're filming a movie in a really weird way. I don't think, um, you know, I don't think an action movie's ever been filmed like that. Uh, it's uh, not until Mortal <laughs> not Kombat, until Mortal Kombat, a, a single continuous take where you just run out the whole the whole choreography of the fight scene with no visible cameras. And uh, it's almost like, you know, this has an almost like a Roger Rabbit effect, right? It's like the first like five minutes of like Roger Rabbit where it's just like a cartoon. Yeah. And then then, then, then we like cut to like, to, to, you know, somebody else cut. And then suddenly there's all this like film stuff there. And the dude walks off. That's exactly what this scene is. I almost wish they had
0: leaned into that harder. Like have a much more clear delineation between like where they're fighting, like have them fight like somewhere and then like pull out. And it's a very obvious set where it just feels like they're filming on location. I think, if they had a set, it would have been a lot more effective and maybe,
1: like, kind of a a
0: better gag, but uh, that's a minor Uh nitpick.
1: So Johnny's whole thing, Johnny's problem that he is going to solve by getting into the tournament is that everyone thinks he's a fake. Thoughts on this? I mean, I don't know if we get a good idea. Like, they say... What is the problem here? He's (laughs) an actor who's in movies. Obviously, the Uh stuff he's doing isn't, like
2: really wrecking dudes but yeah i want to say this was a rip from the headline situation it was okay yeah i i want to say that's the case and this is me talking okay. directly up my butt but okay. this is me riffing so deal with <laughs> well, it because no.
1: like, <laughs> there are there are definitely uh martial arts stars i think like the ones that i can think of really easily off the top of my head are like bruce lee and chuck norris where like you know there are people that had like a long career in like actual martial arts being like some of the top people at their martial arts in the world and then got into movies and, like, became action stars. And I, I guess that's sort of what we're supposed to think Johnny is
2: here as well. Yeah, th- those two those two are more bona fide. Like they, they, they yeah, have like, nobody, some, some nobody che- thought they yeah. would. The, the two in question, though, that come to mind at this, in particular, in 1995, are Jean-Claude mm-hmm. Van Damme, sure. uh, who, who this movie has a strong connection yep. with, because <laughs> the, the entire premise of the original Mortal Kombat arcade game it's just was Sport, meant to right? be a platform for a... Yeah, it was basically Bloodsport, and in fact, they wanted to digitize Van Damme, and he was supposed to be the Johnny Cage character. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: The idea was, we have this game, and then we're going to parlay it into a film based on the game, also starring Jean-Claude Van Damme as Johnny Cage, which, because of his star value, his marquee value at the time, I imagine that would have kind of bumped the Liu Kang character to the side Mm -hmm. and Van Dam would automatically be promoted to main character status I mean
1: that's literally what happened with 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 Ryu and (laughs) the Jean-Claude Van Dam character precisely I mean like if if the game had actually had
0: Jean-Claude Van Damme in it like they originally thought like Liu Kang isn't even the main
2: character in the games anymore at that point exactly Uh, it would have totally changed the franchise from that point forward thankfully that didn't that didn't pan out and a lot of that i want to say it came down to simple ego because a lot of the action stars of the 80s and 90s as much fun as i have like watching those films um, a lot of those guys had really inflated egos and they were difficult to work with um and uh, van dam he he was pretty uh he was pretty good about like he liked to kind of make a martyr of himself in his films. Like he he was big on having big comeback moments where he'd get the crap beat out of him for the first 5 minutes of the fight and then he'd have a tremendous comeback like kind of like Rocky Balboa style. But the other person that comes to mind is Steven Seagal.
1: Oh sure, uh, who sure. Of, who
2: of course totally lacks the ability to laugh at himself. Right. And of course found himself in the headlines a lot for stuff not really having to do with his film career um and also he was one of those guys he and van damme both were pretty vocal about kind of like calling each other out on talk shows and whatnot um so i could totally see maybe a character like this existing like like a parallel to a van damme or a steven seagal who maybe they're i don't know they're they're past like steven seagal was always like very uh he tried to like Say that, like I was part of the c i a or something like that, and it's like, I'm pretty sure you weren't, but we don't really have the internet or the means to prove you otherwise at this point, so I guess we're just gonna have to leave it at that, so I could totally see like this character's this character's inspiration being pulled from maybe one of those actors, yeah,
1: no totally it's
2: like oh they're they're challenging my my merit as a martial right. artist. Um, especially in the case of someone like Steven Seagal, where like to a casual observer, it's like, what even is Aikido? It's like, what am I watching right now? <laughs> it's like, it kind of looks like that person just willingly took a fall. It's like, well, there's a little more to it than that, but, uh, that's, that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Like that the uh-huh. first
0: fight between Liu Kang's brother and Shang Tsung, where they, they, the fight seemed to mostly consist of wrist control.
2: Risk control and uh overwhelming uh whoosh sound effects yes. yeah like just the, a... the, the the power of shang Tsung's whooshes
0: <laughs> so uh so yeah so johnny cage he's upset that he's not being taken seriously enough and then his his agent instructor
1: uh it's it's suppo- i think they, they call him like master something okay. or something so it's it's presumably like whoever his like kind of martial arts, you know, teacher was. Uh, Or is it? Uh, But yeah, this guy shows up and he uh, he tells Johnny about this tournament where all of the best martial artists in the world will be competing. And if he wins there, uh, those people will definitely give him some big ups and restore his reputation. Um, So, yeah, Johnny is all all about this.
0: Yep. So uh, so we are sort of starting to get our our main characters into play here and into position. Um, We get a scene in a uh, temple in Thailand, which um, I'm not going to try and pronounce because I'm going to mangle it. But uh, uh,
1: really cool looking place, really cool looking locations for a lot of the. the And actually, there's there's a really genuinely really neat shot of Liu Kang coming off the, the boat. to to this temple where it kind of like pans up it kind of like follows Liu Kang for a little bit and then like pans up over the temple and uh it just looks really good it's like some really nice camera work they kind of do that a couple of times in in sort of the parts of the movie where they they have a set they can shoot from multiple angles uh (laughs) where they they try to do a little bit of of kind of like a you know a city cam thing and um yeah, I appreciate I appreciate that this doesn't just look exactly like something that could have been filmed for like an episode of Xena all the time. Sometimes it
2: does, <laughs> but sometimes it doesn't,
1: and that's cool.
2: Yeah, that would be more like Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That would be more like Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh so so Liu Kang goes into the temple, he's talking with folks. Uh hey, man, your brother's dead. Sorry about that. And some people are real upset that he left to go to America. And uh, but but he's the one who's going to fight in the tournament to represent the Temple of Light anyway. And there's there's a lot of arguing. And also um, Liu Kang himself seems to be deciding what his primary motivation is here.
1: It goes back and forth. This is the first scene where it goes back and forth uh, multiple times because he wants to get uh, his brother's killer, who he knows will be at the tournament. But also he seems, you know, Like he's pretty aware of what like the stakes are and what like, you know, that he's like fighting for the fate of the world, even though he does not. Also, he also does not believe that he yeah, like he's he's
0: sort of skeptical, but also not. I I don't know. It's it's real weird. And speaking of weird, then Raiden appears or he he enters the temple and everyone starts getting on their knees and bowing. And then Raiden reveals himself and it's a white dude. And what can I say but yikes?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's Christopher Lambert. It's the Highlander. Mm -hmm. Um, He's here. And um, so, like, I was thinking uh, when I was watching this, I realized that the way that Raiden is written in this movie, he is like a more sarcastic, less version of the genie from Aladdin.
2: Yeah, actually, I'd go along with that. That sounds pretty accurate.
1: (laughs) Like he's got the same kind of like buddy buddy, but, you know, kind of a little bit outside the movie sort of relationship to the characters uh, that the genie does. And um, he's he's less helpful. He's, you know, not not completely unhelpful, but mostly he's there to kind of like you know, deliver life lessons and exposition and say his catchphrase. I don't think so. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> uh.
2: Uh, uh, uh. Didn't say the magic word. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> is this movie better or worse if Robin Williams is playing Raiden? Oof. Uh, I mean, I don't think Robin Williams, like, ball of energy that he was, especially around 1995, I don't think he would be able to play a character like this that just kind of hangs out on the sidelines. He would just have to interject. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's true. Like,
2: they just have to cut around him. So there'd be fight scenes and you can clear, you can plainly see Robin Williams like thrashing around and making crazy faces and <laughs> like, sweating up yeah. a storm on the sidelines while complex right. martial arts choreography is happening in the foreground, right. but they just yeah. drop his audio yep. out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Robin, we miss you. Yeah, yeah. we do. Um, anyway, yeah. so we've got, um, We've got Raiden there, and Liu Kang kind of doesn't believe he's Raiden, so he's going to fight him, and and Raiden proves that he's the Thunder God by flipping him over.
1: Yeah, um, and a thunder sound effect plays when he does it. Uh, yeah, and then and then Raiden's eyes get a little kind of plasma ball twinkle in them.
2: I feel like you could have um, just
0: done that first, and that might have been more mm-hmm. convincing. But okay.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, but based yeah. on Raiden's personality in this film. He seems like the type that would just play it out just to flip someone on their head. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I think that's definitely true. I mean, look, he's not going to be able to fight at all during the tournament. So he's got to he's got he's got to get this out of his system now. Um,
0: And yeah, what if he entered the, the scene, entered the movie by just doing the body torpedo into the temple, knocking Liu Kang down? oh
2: just doing the scream yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I mean I would be all for that that would be awesome either that alternatively you could introduce him like uh, Danny DeVito's penguin in Batman Returns just like (laughs) he's like eating like a hoagie or something like sitting at the temple steps and just looks up and says hi (laughs) and he's got like mustard like on his mouth and stuff just the most unglamorous introduction to a godlike figure
1: like, yeah, I believe people could have some trouble trusting that this guy's actually the god of thunder and lightning. And yeah, this also introduces uh, the third major kind of motivation for Liu Kang is that he is uh, he feels responsible for his brother's death. So that's that's part of why he's doing all this this, why he's come back and why he's doing this stuff. And that is actually the one thing that they will sort of try to to, you know, have him have him overcome over the course of this movie but they will but they we never get a good sense of why he feels guilty well i i mean it's it's i i think it's supposed to just be like a thing where like you know he wasn't there right like he he ran away because apparently his destiny was too was was too great for him and he ran away to america and um you know, because he wasn't there, his brother kind of took on the risk himself, but wasn't really as up to it as Liu Kang was, so he died.
2: You okay, know? okay, so that makes sense. I, I, th- that makes I think sense. that's yeah. what they're going. For. Okay, yeah, that was my understanding as well.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so all all three of these folks have been told that there's a boat that they need to get on, Hong Kong uh, Harbor, going to take them to the tournament. So yeah, they get on this crazy looking boat. Uh, that is, uh, a a really awesome physical prop, physical set, uh, that, uh, is, is like this giant ancient looking boat with like a dragon head on the front. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of get the three of them introducing themselves to each other. Uh, there's apparently a lot of ad lib in this, in this, in a lot of these scenes, actually, yeah. Oh, you don't say! Yeah, uh, <laughs> totally doesn't show at all. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Apparently, Johnny's actually okay. Actually, pretty good line. Uh, thank God, I didn't. I, I didn't ask him to uh, park
0: my car. Would, uh, after... Park my
1: car after Liu Kang is kind of a dick to him and just throws his bag. It th- throws one of his many well, suitcases in the water. So, well, well,
0: Johnny is kind of a dick to. Liu Kang first and he, like is a, a racist no. dick by no, that's, assuming that's that this true. boat. It I kind of forgot be,
1: that's true I kind of forgot yeah. the context of that yeah that's that's yeah right, like, like Johnny must be uh, on a boat
0: that has like mostly Asian people on it at this point and he right. just asks one of them to grab his bags like dude right. re, like look around you where
1: do you think you are right now right um but yeah Johnny has a lot of bags and they're all going in the water at some point so that's just the first one Sonia gets on the boat, too, because she sees Kano's on it. And yep. um, Jack Jax says, hey, don't get on the boat, Sonia. Sonia no. Hey, Sonia. Oh, no. well, That's his contribution
0: I'm... to the film. <laughs> yeah.
1: Dude, that actor playing Jax is like he's like the most obviously. Oh, we're going to recast. Oh, he this is a
2: placeholder.
1: <laughs> uh, like day player.
0: Yeah. Yep. And he's going to be a, a friggin American yep. gladiator
2: yep. next time. That's right, so yeah. Just you wait. Well, and he gets to work opposite Malibu. <laughs> he
1: gets to work opposite Malibu. That's right. We have not one but two
0: American gladiators. Facing sequel, off against that, each other. But that is that is another that's got to be another episode because uh, I've got some things I, I could go on about that movie for a long time. But we, we got to stick to this one. Yeah, we, we are. We're like barely like well, 15 gonna, minutes into this. It's, it's going to speed up soon, <laughs> I think.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so they get on the boat. Uh, they meet each other. They go down into what I think is one of the arenas from the game. It's the the acid baths, right? Um, there, there's a bunch of different places in this movie where they got, kind of just walk through an area that's clearly modeled on the <laughs> stage from one of the games, but don't actually fight in it. They don't fight they, in it. it um, but yeah, they mm. go downstairs and... Um, Shang Tsung comes out he's creepy at Sonya and then he introduces what were probably two of the probably the two most popular characters from Mortal Kombat uh, blue ninja and yellow ninja Scorpion and Sub-Zero they uh, they are not they are they are done pretty badly by this movie I think
2: yeah they really get Ryu and Ken in this movie I think yeah, I mean they they get a couple of moments but they're criminally underutilized and yeah. what's more like unlike a lot of the other aspects of this film they actually like go out of their way to kind of just sh- like crap all over the the lore behind the two characters. Uh, like it's not the case with most of the other cast members but for whatever reason Scorpion yeah, right. and Sub-Zero kind of get the shaft in this this film. But thankfully like I'll defend Scorpion's contribution. Sub Zero, not near. Oh no, no, not at all. I
1: think I think the the that Scorpions fight with Johnny Cage actually has some very cool, um, very fun, yeah. like Sam Raimi type, uh, you know, gags in it. Um, and you know, I like that a lot. But yeah, the Sub Zero stuff is is rough. Shang Tsung basically is like like they're mortal enemies, but they're both slaves under my power, uh, which is the thing like kind of hand-waving why those two characters don't have any like conflict here. Uh, Raiden shows up. He does some lightning and then he delivers some more exposition. And this is the point where Liu Kang is like, wow, he really is Raiden. It's like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Did you see the thing with his eyes before? Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely Raiden. Raiden like lays out the whole deal with the tournament and the... The stakes of the tournament that like the um, the emperor of Outworld will be able to to invade Earth if he wins another installment of the tournament. So it's uh, it's on it's on view three guys right here. To make sure that doesn't happen. Honestly,
0: I debated even telling so, you this because I was like, oh, is this going to put too much pressure on them? Because like if they just think it's a regular tournament, maybe
2: they'll actually do yeah, better. But to, now it's
0: like really, really you stressful. You need to get a like, scene of uh, Raiden
2: like hanging out in a corner talking to himself. just Hindsight's like Hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 Why do I sound like Christian Bale's Batman all of a sudden?
1: <laughs> they did not take that well. But Yeah,
2: he, it's basically it comes down to fate. Like, that's that's kind of Liu Kang's deal is that he is, quote, the chosen one. Um, And in fact, the reason he was he went to the temple was like they even say, like, he had the dream, which is like, what what dream? He dreamed of his brother getting murdered. Right. That's that's the dream that signals it's time for him to go beat up Outworld. (laughs) Like
0: somebody else to raise their hand, like, I also dreamed my brother getting murdered shut up. You don't matter.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's like you're not the guy with the good hair. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, basically, Raiden is telling the three of them that it's down to fate. And it's like there are other participants in the tournament. Uh, only difference is they're not as good looking as you three. Right, <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like, you guys have strong protagonists <laughs> it,
2: so it's going
1: to be one of Would you. you
0: I, I feel like if you're being told by a god that one person is fated to win this tournament and you are not that person in a tournament that it, you do die if you lose one of your matches I feel like that maybe, you know, you, you lose a lot of incentive to, to keep participating in
1: that tournament. I might be like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to stick around then. It, Sounds
0: like you're telling me I'm yeah, gonna Yeah, but they're
1: already, but they're already on the boat, and the Lagoon Show yeah, from Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios is happening in the sky above them right
2: now. Oof. So yeah, it, it's literally a, a black curtain with yeah. pinholes in it.
1: <laughs> uh, there's skulls. There's like a snake ca- crawling through some bones, um, and yeah, uh, that means that they're they're in it. There's no going back. Um, Also, this scene has Raiden going, it has begun. And then we cut it directly to Shang Tsung uh, standing in the middle of all this, like, you know, rear projected junk. Also going, it has begun. Like, just back to back. It's like yeah i guess it has you got two guys saying it's it.
2: never explained it's never explained in the film what has no <laughs>
1: oh.
2: <laughs> i want to say this was probably like explicitly a trailer shot. oh
1: definitely definitely
2: like, like it has no bearing on the plot it contributes nothing we even get like a silhouette of shao khan yeah some that's reason. right there
1: is a silhouette of him in, in with all the other imagery
2: but but the timing for the trailer is fantastic. So I don't blame them for shooting it, and including it in the film. But like, really, if you scratch your head for a second and think like, hang on, what what just happened? Like he farted some ghosts and <laughs> seems really proud of himself. Like he's been trying to pass those ghosts for like a week. Uh,
1: it's it's a huge <laughs> relief for him. Um, but uh, yeah, so they get to the island, which um, this is where. I think a lot of the movie's effort, like in in terms of production design, uh, is is really visible here in, in, you know, kind of making a few different really cool sets that sort of believably feel like they could be adjacent to the like beachfront location shooting they're doing. And uh, then a whole bunch of matte paintings to kind of tie everything together. And um, I gotta say uh i I think it looks good i I miss this era of special effects.
2: Yeah, it was a special time where kind of the more practical side, the more matte painting oriented side of of effects engineering was kind of at the height of its powers, and the transition to full on CGI was not complete yet. So those master crafts people were were able to put forth their best effort. Um, during this transitional time period in the industry but yeah some really really awesome production design in this movie some decent some decent like impressionistic lighting like with the the green uh bathed sequence with luke kang not really entirely sure what that was intended to convey <laughs> right um but yeah some of these matte paintings though that like extend the mm-hmm. sets like, like dragon statues and all manner of like creature yeah. statues in the background, like yeah. the cliffside and like the the mist in the air and whatnot. It's all really cool stuff. And I've always actually thought of that as one of Paul W.S. Anderson's strengths as a director. Like when when he's not like tossing his edit into a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah, that's which which is the norm. Uh, Like when, when he has a more relaxed edit, like when he's given some good sets to work with. He's pretty good about showcasing. Yeah, them. I mean, like Event Horizon yeah, exactly. is fantastic Event Horizon in that has way.
1: Some of the best sets of any of any like sci fi movie of the 90s i think like it's really great looking uh
2: and even the first resident evil has some pretty stellar sets like and and they're well utilized Mm -hmm. as well and his movies generally look pretty good it just it kind of comes down to the way it's edited. it it, it does chopped up yeah
1: definitely i mean like this movie had a 20 million dollar budget and i think they stretched that pretty well honestly like this looks good you know, this looks like an expensive movie. And I guess for the time it wasn't an inexpensive movie, but that's still not that much given given all the stuff they have, like the ambition to put up on the screen in this.
2: No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. The money is kind of on the screen. Although there are a couple of like random spots here and there where if you notice Liu Kang's hairdo, uh, (laughs) somebody, like one of the good hair and makeup techs just like called out. Yeah. His hair hair loses a lot of
1: volume in certain scenes, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's the climate out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of muggy.
0: You know, it it has a, it has a way of weighing. I I do really like, you know, the locations where they've shot. I liked how, you know, like uh, everything you guys said. What disappoints me sometimes is, like, when they actually get into a fight, like, a, you know, a fight within the tournament, and they're just kind of like, you know, a couple of flags on the beach, and I'm kind of like, where, where are, like, the the <laughs> sets that evoke, like, an actual Mortal Kombat yeah. arena, you know, like, where's the big stone thing where you see Shang Tsung in the first game, you know, like, sitting in on a throne behind everyone, right. you know, like, where's that, you know, I want to see that. Um, so that that was yeah. a little disappointing to me, but I,
1: I think there's definitely there's definitely a split between areas that they had like a built out enough set that they could film the fights in because you needed to shoot them from like a bunch of different angles, and the ones that they could have people like stand in and talk to each other. Right.
0: Is is this also the point in the movie where we meet Katana for the first time? Or
1: it is, and yeah. she's just well, sort of. We we kind of see her off in the distance, right? She's as they're coming, sitting in. there. Under an umbrella yeah, um, for some reason. She's just kind of lounging. Yeah. yeah, she's just, you know, I mean, look, she's a princess. She's she's there taking in the scenery. Maybe she'll fight in the tournament. Otherwise, this is just a nice weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Shang Tsung is, is not terribly pleased that Kitana is there. And he asks Reptile to keep an eye on her. And Reptile is just an absolute abomination of. Mid-90s CGI. <laughs> he, looks,
1: he he looks like a thing that should have been on a graphics card box. <laughs> like he looks like a thing that should have been on like the, the box or like a Voodoo FX chip or something. Yes. Yeah. Reptile. He turns invisible. He's off to kind of uh, watch Katana. Uh, everyone else goes to dinner in a big kind of big, big kind of, you know, banquet hall, I guess. And Shang Tsung shows up to basically give the same information about the tournament that, Raiden gave to them on the boat, but more sinister this time. And uh, then they they do a demonstration um, of what kind of fun everyone's going to get up to, which involves uh, really, really like zero percent body fat guy who's one of the like, you know, various like monks or servants here on the island uh, trying to fight Sub-Zero and Sub-Zero just uh, Turning him into a into a monk sickle. He kind of Indiana Jones is <laughs> yeah. him, right?
0: Because the monk is all doing all these does, yeah. martial arts moves, yeah, and yeah. then Sub Zero just suddenly like, yeah, um, ice ball, ice ball beats yeah. rock, <laughs> and uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> which like it's good they have this happen because Sub Zero is never going to have the chance to do this to any of like the. The, the actual characters in the movie <laughs> right so yeah and uh it's kind of one of the goriest things in the movie too because the guy shatters and then his head kind of rolls up to uh to shang song
0: yeah yeah and, and like this is maybe like as good as the movie gets because yeah we get that that gore and everything and this is what i'm talking about like kano needed a scene like this as well
2: Precisely. That's that's what we were talking about earlier. Just a, er, an early showcase of the exactly, level. yeah, definitely. You're just demonstrating the capabilities and showing that oh, sub zero is a problem, uh, a really easily <laughs> overcome yeah, because, like, problem, but a problem yeah, nonetheless. We will
0: get to it, but like almost every single antagonist goes down like a chump in this movie. Ultimately, mm-hmm. so yeah, like unless yeah, you establish that's really true. That, like that's really true. Why this is you know why this is a big deal like it just looks like like earth realm is was in danger by like is being endangered by a bunch of just like really incompetent fighters with some cool magic tricks that don't know how to use them very well
2: yeah no that that's kind of what it comes across as and i feel so bad for this this monksicle <laughs> yeah uh, e- <laughs> He he gets he gets it real bad, man. Because like even the way they shoot his like warm up routine, uh-uh. like it's just a flat angle, and he's just like winging shots here and there. He even like kind of trips a yeah. little bit, but they don't they don't cut around it. It's just like I know you're super jacked, but but like he has the look of a person who knows he's about to die. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> look, they told me ahead of time that I'm
0: supposed to let this guy just blow me up, so you'll have to forgive me if I'm only bringing, you know, like my B game to this. Okay.
2: Well, I mean, in a different movie, what you would do is you'd have a callback gag or something where they do another demonstration like this. And then like, as they're calling out the person, like you, you see one of them like actively take a step backwards to like merge with the crowd a little <laughs> right, bit. Yeah. Like, that ain't going to be me. <laughs> or they like push their friend, like out <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, Folks, that, this that is why you need to
2: unionize. Okay. Everybody needs to unionize. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, otherwise, you know, you get monksicle incidents and, I, you know, I, I don't know what kind of paperwork you have to fill out I mean, for stuff uh, like that. Definitely.
1: But. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The the evil monkey union has been pushing for a no monksicles uh, yeah. clause in the contract. And <laughs> it's up for
2: like, look, look, year, look, so. you can't so. days without a you monksicle can't just kill yeah. any
0: of us to demonstrate how badass your ninjas are. OK, no, not even Carl. All right. <laughs>
1: We don't like him, but we don't want him to die. (laughs) But yeah, so everyone's like, you know, I think they take that surprisingly in stride. Like, it's like, huh, well, that just happened. And then they go off to follow Shang Tsung. This is a fun part because it is them walking through a bunch of areas from the games. Yeah, they they, they, like walk over the pit, too, from Mortal Kombat
0: 2, which is like the coolest arena in the history of Mortal Kombat. They just... Mm-hmm. They're just like, hmm, well, this is pretty high up, huh?
2: Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Uh-huh. <laughs> fun fun yeah. Easter egg. I'm gonna, show me
0: Hornbuckle in the background. That's all I want. Uh, just show me Hornbuckle. All right.
2: Yeah. I mean, just have a guy on fire in yeah. the background. It's like you either notice him or you don't. But yes, that is, in fact, a man on He's fire. There, back yeah. There. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they get to uh, another kind of banquet hall area, but a smaller one where they can spy on Kano having dinner with Goro. And the movie has already started to kind of build up Goro as, uh, you know, the major threat here. Um, You know, Shang Tsung mentions him when he's addressing the hall as, like, the champion who some of them there may have the honor to fight. And they show a little bit of his hand earlier. But this is our first time actually seeing, like, for real Goro. And, um, you know, I I honestly think, you know, um, yeah, there's a couple of issues with the... uh, the animatronic for Goro that, like, we were talking about a little bit before we, we got on the, you know, before we started recording here. But I think it's good. I, I admire them for just going for it, you know? Yeah, I think that Goro looks pretty cool. Um,
0: I, I think that there are times where the animatronic doesn't quite, you know, isn't quite as convincing as it could be. I, I sometimes wonder if maybe, because, like, I think the least convincing thing about Goro is whenever he talks, like, his mouth is just not... Like, I'm not buying it. I almost wonder if they could have utilized, like, an actor playing Goro in close-up shots with some prosthetics and stuff. But that might have looked too obvious to, to really work. I mean,
1: I think it would have looked so much more real that it probably would have been a little bit of an issue. Um, but, you know, I think what's here is good. Apparently they had a lot of trouble with the Goro animatronic when they were filming. So they, he was actually supposed to have a lot more screen time than he does, but in a way I think it actually kind of works in sort of like a shark from jaws sort of way oh, yeah, yeah. where you don't see a lot of his like fights later in the movie. So you can kind of just imagine how brutal he's being. Um, and yeah, he's, he works here as a character in this scene with Kano uh, where he's kind of, he's kind of like smug and condescending to Kano
2: and i like that yeah he's a foot and a half taller than him he's got four arms and he's a he's royalty he's a prince He's royalty yeah yeah um but yeah i i agree kind of on all points like i i think there there are some weaknesses to the animatronics utilized here um i think a a different approach maybe not on a 20 million dollar budget and probably on a, a hastily put together production but like an alternative approach would be kind of like how they did some of the like '80s and '90s Godzilla films, where uh, they had like a bust that was done on a slightly larger scale, specifically mm-hmm. to accommodate more complex facial movements. Mm, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So maybe do that for close-ups when he's speaking. Um, but very clearly, it's like it's a full-size prop mounted on a, a actor who's walking around the set and interacting with the players, and it's. This is kind of the cool thing you get with practical effects is that, you know, we get to see Kano have a wine glass spilt on his lap and he reacts accordingly. And like it, he actually is a presence in the film. You think of him as a character, not as purely just an effect. Um, And yeah, it does have weaknesses, particularly when he's talking, but they do a pretty good job of cutting around it. Like he's off screen a lot of times when he's talking, so you don't have to match the lip flaps and stuff. I would have liked to have seen some, some slime though. He's a little yeah. dry. He's a little oh, dry yeah. for my taste. Yeah,
0: I was just thinking that actually. Like there are some scenes, especially when he's fighting, where it looks like they kind of sprayed him down. Uh, I am a big proponent of what uh, YouTube uh, YouTube's Scaredy Cats host, Scaredy Matt, would call wet puppets. Um, yeah, I, I think you need to get that puppet wetter. You know, that, that is too dry a puppet. Yeah. I want to see some some wet goro action happening here. Is all, all right, the time. I'm
2: going to have to teach uh, Kyle that terminology because I like it. Wet, wet yeah. puppets. Yeah, wet puppets. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't
0: take credit for that. that, that that would be uh, uh scaredy cats uh,
1: on YouTube. Okay, man. Have you, have either of you ever seen the like mid nineties creature feature monster movie, the relic?
2: Absolutely. Stan Winston that movie.
1: That movie has some a plus wet puppet action. Yeah, uh, they,
2: uh, I, yeah. I read that book back in the day and I was actually legitimately uh-huh. kind of hyped for that movie. Plus Stan Winston mm-hmm. has always been a selling point for me personally. Yeah. And, uh, Funny enough, uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. apparently helped design the animatronic for Goro, and he's oh, he's from that's awesome. yeah he's from the Stan Winston School, um, and yeah he's always mm-hmm. done really fantastic work with uh, I think it's Amalgamated Dynamics is his own company. He's okay. most prominent for like he's mostly well known for doing like the the later Aliens films. Um, and funny enough, uh, Aliens versus Predator, same director, so uh, work yeah, w- connections. Yeah, right. Yeah, revolutions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you get some, some, you know, more scenes of the uh, the characters kind of uh, walking through. They walk through Gora's lair. They walk through um, just some catacombs, some some tunnels. Uh, Luke Kang gets sprayed in the face by a reptile, uh, which seems to hurt, but not that badly. And um, and then, yeah, they fight they fight a bunch of monks. And well, also,
0: we we should mention that uh, while they're spying on Kano and Goro, Shang Tsung comes in and basically divulges his entire evil plan.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. We did skip over
0: that. Yeah. So, so we do know that Liu Kang is a very special boy, which I feel like we, we already knew like, cause they were already talking about how he's the chosen one. So I don't know why that's news to them, but it seems to be, um, we're also talking about how he, he has a plan for Sonya, which it, it you know, we'll, we'll get more into that later on. So, so Sonya and Liu Kang are definitely part of this plan. Not even sure why he needed Johnny Cage there, or wanted him there, but, um, I don't
1: know. Well, Johnny does have an important part to play in this, as we'll talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. but um, uh, maybe he was just trying yeah. to get an autograph. Yeah, he kind of notices that somebody's watching them. So the three, the three heroes have to run off. Uh, they get lost. Uh, Katana, with like a candelabra, kind of like guides them from a distance. Yeah, and they then, they walk
0: through the the blue cavern that uh, yeah. just <laughs> contains all the blue.
1: Mm-hmm. That's where they keep it. And then they kind of end up, they end up actually back in the room where, uh, where Goro and Kano had we're, we're having dinner and uh there's a bunch of monks show up and they the the mortal Kombat theme starts playing and they fight them <laughs> and yeah, we, um, we just get a
0: straight up power ranger fight here and i love it, it. is a,
1: yeah it is good it is a, it reminds me a lot of power rangers it reminds me a lot of the stuff from like the, the tangent ninja turtles movies yeah. uh you know that kind of like kid-friendly martial arts where people are doing a lot of uh you know specific specific kind of athletic gags that don't look They look painful, but not like something you couldn't walk away from. Yeah, we got to make sure
2: to put those katanas in the ceiling, uh, not not into people's spines. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Got to make sure to utilize yo-yos in our martial arts choreography because, hey, I got kids here. (laughs) But but yeah, the 90s were the Duncan gave us a lot of money. (laughs) The the 90s were the era of the roundhouse kick. um, Very, very prominent among martial arts choreography of the day. Um, unless you're steven seagal then you just like find objects to push people into it's kind of like playing like a i don't know a post resident evil 4 video game you just like grab hold of someone walk up to the context sensitive <laughs> items in the room yeah. and hit the x button <laughs> it's, um, but yeah this this scene includes one of my most favorite uh, extraneous shots in cinematic history um, i'm curious if both of you are, are keen on this one like if you caught this one
1: well uh i'm trying to think of what it could be which i yeah so, so, I, you know, so what i mean a, by extraneous
2: a... <laughs> is like normally in a fight you know you you hit people like that's the objective is to, is to hit the people till they stop yep, trying yeah. to hit you back um but then every once in a while because this is a paul ws anderson film we got to just take the edit we got to take our footage and we just gotta we just gotta throw it in that wood chipper out back and hope for the best Uh, It's like playing pachinko or something, or like doing a gachapon machine. Uh, You just (laughs) put that coin in, hope for the best. And uh, what happens every once in a while when you edit like this is uh, sometimes you just, for timing purposes, like matching the music or something, you just need to put a shot in there that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Um, And the example here is uh, Liu Kang just does a cartwheel. He just... (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, he just does, does a does, cartwheel he? off he of not, the staircase,
2: and no one else is in the shot. He's completely <laughs> isolated, out of harm's way. He just decides, you know what would be really fun in the middle of this fight, like this life or death situation? I should just do. No, a cartwheel. Granted, like
0: uh, <laughs> he will not be the only one to just you know do a cartwheel for no reason in the, before this movie
2: is over. <laughs> <but> <laughs> Well, I mean, the finale of the fight is Johnny Cage posing, just yes. going.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it might be that because the the posing is the thing I really think about here is Johnny with that stick, just like doing that pose. Yeah. It's like the fight's over. Yeah, the fight's dude. over. Everyone's you didn't even get the last it, hit in. Like, I don't even know if you did a whole lot. Fighting,
0: fighting <laughs> no. games are like twenty no. percent doing a pose after the opponent is down. Like that's that's how fighting games work. I mean, I'm disappointed That's it wasn't an actual win pose from the game where he just like uh, puts on sunglasses. Like, like I wanted all three of them to just do like one of their wind poses from the game.
2: Well, speaking of speaking of things from the game, what's what's a curious change from the source material uh, is uh, Johnny Cage's wardrobe. Yes, man. yeah. Like he 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 looks like Chandler. Oh Bing yeah. In this mean, entire film. I
0: mean, here's the problem with with <laughs> Johnny and Sonya is that like. They yeah. look enough like the characters, but that basically just means, yeah, they're two white people. Yeah,
2: blonde lady and guy
0: it's, with shades. That is all we need. Like, are you a guy with? Sha- are you a white dude with shades? Cool, yeah. you can be Johnny Cage.
1: <laughs> Pretty much the 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 games have not yet established Johnny's defining physical trait of having Johnny written Johnny in tattooed, uh, ta- tattooed across <laughs> his chest in giant letters. Yeah, that was the PS2 so. oh, oh, right. era, right? Well it's definitely that way in, in Mortal Kombat 9. Like that's where I really noticed it, but it might have actually yeah,
2: started as two
1: years.
2: Yeah, I don't I know it if stuck it's stuck hung around until like X and eleven, but yeah, there was there was the dark times.
1: But it's <laughs> the, de- <laughs> <laughs> the dark times the Johnny times. <laughs>
2: Anyway, where do we go to next? The 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 first round of the tournament.
0: Well, well, Ra- Raiden has to slow clap. Raiden slow claps, and then um, he's like, "I don't think so." Yeah, I don't think so because there's even more monks now that were just waiting off screen.
1: Oh yeah, and they've all got weapons too. That's a good gag actually because it's done entirely for the benefit of the audience. Where where Raiden's like, "What about them?" And then they turn around and these monks who have clearly just been like waiting there are like, ah. Yeah, I mean, he takes them outside, and he gives them. What is this when he gives them kind of the the rundown on their own personal failings that they need to overcome?
2: I believe so. Where it's like, Sonia, you're you're really bad about asking for help, and like Johnny, you think you're a big fat phony, and you probably kind of are, but like you really need to get get over that, bud. And like Lou, like Lou, you you got the touch, you got the power. <laughs>
0: This comes later, though. Th- this this all comes later because he tells Johnny he he thinks he's a phony, so he just picks fights with people to prove that he's not, as if that's some kind of lesson he needs to learn. But the very next scene, Johnny says he's challenging Goro wins, so it's like, what was even the point of that?
1: What? Yeah. What oh, lesson that, was there? Like, like I guess like, that is what happens later. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Like Johnny,
0: you 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 think you're a phony, so you just you just. Uh, pick fights with people. And that's bad for some reason. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, that's great. You're, you're totally awesome. You should yeah, keep doing Johnny that. should
2: have slugged him right after that. Yeah. like what? You want to fight about it, old man?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by the logic of this movie, he would have won. So after this, we get into the second kind of major movement of the movie. And it is this is the part of the movie that is just back to back. Tournament fight scenes. Yes. With no real like kind of narrative connecting them. It's just fight after fight after fight. Which like,
0: okay, this is a tournament, that's fine. And this is where Luke Kang fights um that black dude, right?
1: Yeah, he fights this guy, which is actually kind of one of the better fights okay. in the movie, I think. Do you guys know who um, that
0: dude is. Who is he? Um, his name is Hakeem Alston. He was on a show called WMAC Masters, which was this. He was
1: on that, huh? Yes, he okay. was the
0: machine. He was Hakeem the oh. Machine Alston. And so so an interesting thing about this is that, that did, another character on WMAC Masters was, um, let's see, what is his name? I had it pulled up, actually. Um, I think it was um, Ho Sung Pak. And he is a martial artist who played Liu Kang in the video game. Oh, wow. So in like one an early episode, that dude beats the machine and gets to take his little emblem or whatever. And so I was I, I saw that episode and I was thinking like, oh, wow, that poor guy was getting beat up by all the Luke Kangs. And of course I scrolled down. That was like one of the first YouTube comments on that video was like, That's man, really Hakeem funny. Alston getting beat up by every Luke Kang. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. This guy's good, though. Like, I like watching is, him yes. fight. He makes some weird tiger noises. So I guess <laughs> that's how you're supposed to know he's not human and he's from Outworld, right? Um, I mean, are, are we supposed to? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll well, let it
0: slide. It's I Mortal guess. Kombat.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Liu, Liu Kang beats him. Shang Tsung takes his soul. This is our first glimpse of Shang Tsung's soul-taking power. Um, oh, that's what was in that. That's what was in the, the scene with Raiden before that was when Raiden right. tells them about Shang Tsung and Shang Tsung's like ability to to absorb the souls of the people he's beaten. Yes. And how that makes him the most dangerous, even more than Goro. Yep.
0: Except that like. Um, again even that won't really come back but
1: i mean it will but just not in a way that makes any sense
0: right yeah, um, yeah. But, <laughs> but but I, yeah so but i also feel mm-hmm. like this should raise the stakes for everybody i mean first of all like what is what What are the rules because people do lose tournament matches and
1: survive i think um i um, You know, I don't know if that's well, okay. Katana does, yeah. That's like just bare that's a weird thing though, because it's like she's not really fighting, even though she is. But like, we never actually see Johnny, Liu Kang, or Sonya lose a fight, yeah. I guess that's true. So, so I, I, but I feel
0: like the the, the stakes should be like, oh, hey, if we beat somebody, they're gonna die in Mortal Kombat then Shang Tsung gets their souls. But, but in this fight, like Liu Kang doesn't kill him himself. No. Shang Tsung takes his soul anyway. Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, no, yeah everyone's I everyone's really chill about so, all this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, this fight is fun. They stab some big bamboo poles into the ground and then they pick them up later and, and fight with them. Um, and then after that, uh, the, the next fight is, uh, is actually Kano and Sonya, right? Kind of underwhelming fight.
2: Um, this is where you take a, a restroom break uh, when you're watching this movie. <laughs> uh, Bridget Wilson was a very late
1: addition to this movie's cast. Um, originally, it was supposed to be Cameron Diaz. Yeah, they she dropped out. So Bridget Wilson got hired uh, kind of last minute and she had to go directly from filming, um, I believe, Billy Madison to filming this movie like the next day. So her fight choreography and training is notably not great because they just didn't really have time to do it and this was actually one of the last things they filmed for the movie to give her as much time as possible to learn the fight choreography i
0: mean could they really
1: not have given her a stunt double or you know to to actually do (sighs) i know she's a thin blonde lady couldn't have been that hard to just (sighs) you know get a stunt double that could match her body
2: type yeah yeah this is this is not just bad. It's like, this is, this fits it's into the boring. cat. It's boring and slightly embarrassing. Like yeah. it doesn't make either actor look good. Um, I it's, don't. it's really clumsy. Like, like I mentioned that the, the buff monksical guy, like he, he, he get he like slips a little bit when he's posting okay. up on one leg, but she straight up trips. Like she falls mm. on her butt and they leave the shot in probably cause they didn't oh. have other things to cut <laughs> to, but she literally yeah. throws a round kick and falls down in the same shot Whoa, and you get to see her rough. get up and she, you know you can tell it's like well that wasn't supposed to happen none of her none of her strikes have any sort of real impact to them uh, it's really clumsily chore- choreographed and shot this is this is the stuff where you can tell robin Shue was probably off his cycle and didn't have the good hair lady or whatever because right, he, yeah. he he's not looking great when he's watching from the sidelines and you can kind of tell this was probably shot on a different day or something but yeah this whole scene is like a little cringy, honestly.
1: It is, and it it culminates with Sonya actually uh, killing Kano. She does her kind of I, this is one of her fatalities, right? The the leg. Uh like neck snap thing. Well, no, in, in the first game, she had the kiss she did of death. Kiss of death yeah. I think it,
2: I think if this was an early yeah. move of hers was like the, oh, it was, the yeah, leg scissors right, throw. Right. Um, And they, had, maybe it became a fatality. Yeah, but later. that's
0: the, it was a throw. It wasn't like a, Oh, Hey, I'm going to grab you with my legs. And then we're both just going to kind of fall down. That's, that's really <laughs> weird yeah.
1: is the, the, I don't know that she would have enough that anybody would have enough muscular strength in that part of their legs to snap somebody's neck with them. Like, She doesn't have him up like, you know, between her thighs. It's like between her knees.
2: Yeah, this was, again, 1995, though. And like martial arts knowledge was kind of flimsy at best. Yeah, like like the general public didn't know a whole lot about stuff. We didn't have mixed martial arts on television every week and stuff. But yeah, generally this the logistics of this wouldn't work out. But I'll just say this much. Uh, Thank God for nipple tape uh, because, yeah, to pull to pull off this particular maneuver Um, Yeah, they they had to futz with that wardrobe, uh, for sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, embarrassing for everyone involved, in particular for her, because she she gets a wad of spit on her thigh that I'm pretty sure was not pleasant coming from Trevor Goddard's That's, mouth. We know, oh, we God. know what he ate yeah. at craft services. Like, That's right. <laughs> but yeah, he, when he's pleading for mercy, he goes, <laughs> just like oh, under her thigh. Yeah. It's oh, like, Oh God, how many takes of that did we do? <laughs>
0: Both their their hands, you know, kind of together and, you know, and they, they, they seem to be like equally matched. I'm just like, Kano is a giant <laughs> and Sonya is not like, I am not buying this even slightly. Like, you know, whenever I'm watching like an MCU movie with black widow in it, you know, like Scarlett Johansson or her stunt double or whoever, like does a lot of these really cool moves that I have no problem. Like, you know, accepting that her physical abilities make up for any size differential between, you know, like her and, and you know, her opponent. Like I can't buy that here. I'm just looking at these. Two, like I wouldn't be able to do this. Like <laughs> yeah, ScarJo you know? and
2: her uh, lucha libre infused martial arts ability. Um, <laughs> lots of tilt a whirl maneuvers and whatnot that yeah. just somehow end up working out. It's like you know, lady. I'm pretty sure that looked like it hurt you more than the other guy, but it. <laughs> but it had lots of twirls and he fell down, so that worked yeah. out. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's the like. There, there's there's yes. a lot of movement. It's very yes. kinetic. So it's like. You know, I, you can I can, buy into the there, There's so much it, going yeah. on. Yeah, but you're you're absolutely exactly. right, though. Like, Trevor Goddard is massive. He has aggressive chest hair and a Klingon knife. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the math don't add up. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm thinking like of all the different ways they could have gone about this. Like, you know, he's bringing a knife to this fight, so maybe she's got like some kind of special forces tech or whatever that she uses to her advantage to get the upper hand. You know, she outsmarts him somehow. Um, you know, there's just... Ways around this, I feel like – and then this is another weakness, I think, of this movie is that when the actors are not good enough at doing, you know, like the the, the actual martial arts, the editing kind of has to make up for it and they just – the editing is just not there. Like this – again, there's not enough – there's not enough movement happening. There's there's not enough – you know, it's not – distracting me enough to to not get me to notice the fact that these two people can't fight
2: um i mean when when you you're putting in the final cut of your film a shot of a woman falling on her butt while throwing a kick uh that speaks to them just not having the footage Uh, it's like oh
1: y'all filmed this in one day exactly
2: (laughs) i I, it's probably an afternoon shoot like they they had to just had to go yeah they just yeah. had to go um so yeah if that shot ends up in your final cut that means that you just didn't have the you just didn't have the tools in the basket that
0: day one last thing so like we are about halfway through this movie and sonia's uh, whole arc is neatly wrapped
2: yeah, up she has nothing point, else so. to contribute <laughs> yeah sonia
1: will have nothing else to do uh for the rest of this thing yeah Of the phrase "flawless victory" in this, for things that are not flawless victory. Yes, yeah, I, I was actually going to mention that when we get
0: to the Goro fight um, with. Um...
1: Also, you can't self-apply that term. That's not okay, right? <laughs> no,
2: not at all. But but yeah, there are plenty of grossly incorrect usages of flawless victory it's like dude that's like reserved for like very specific circumstances as as implied in the phrase (laughs) that means that
1: the other guy got no hits on you yeah and and in that
2: goro fight no he gets hit plenty of times
0: yeah, yeah, in the in the Goro fight with with what's his face, art. um, uh, no name guy,
2: with Art, Art,
1: with Art, <laughs> with art. Yeah. like Art, our our good friend Art, who everyone is
2: terribly yeah, we even sad. get a yes. no, not a slow motion no, but still a <laughs> yeah. no, yeah.
0: right, but he, like he clearly does hit Goro and like staggers him a little oh, bit yeah. at one point, like like yeah. Goro kills him. Why doesn't Shang Tsung say fatality right there? Like that would have made way more sense because Goro does murder him
2: like I don't know that yeah really it ruins the whole movie honestly. Yeah, maybe, but, maybe it was like a PG-13 thing maybe the censors were like yeah we'll let you have the monksicle but uh, could you maybe take it easy with the fatality talk like it's kind of like Dragon Ball where it's like it's another dimension like nobody dies they just go to a... <laughs>
1: nobody dies they just Look, go to you another get, it's a
2: PG-13 movie you only get two uses of the F word
1: <laughs> yeah precisely <laughs> fatality yeah <laughs> Next up, we've got uh, Johnny versus Scorpion, right? Yep. So this fight has like some fun stuff in it. Uh, it is. It starts in a weird way, though. Like it starts with Johnny just kind of like walking through what looks like kind of a tree farm, like these very straight rows of 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 uh, of trees. Is that bamboo or is that just just, trees? They they just just look like young trees. And uh, Scorpion just kind of ambushes him. There's no audience. There's no anything there. Uh, It's uh, it's it's just, you know, Scorpion and his extremely mobile uh, little dragon dagger. Yeah, we should
2: talk about the dragon dagger because I eavesdropped on your your pre recording chatter about the spear.
1: Yeah.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did someone yeah. say Dragon Dagger? <laughs> oh.
2: Da, 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 da. Well,
0: I pushed the wrong button, but you get the idea.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, yes, let's talk about the Dragon there Dagger. Please continue.
1: Scorpion's very famous moves. His most famous move uh is his get over here. Uh which is in this movie, it's the same Ed Boon voice clip as the games. Uh and um yeah, they uh they have um a, a kind of strange interpretation of it uh where instead of just being like a spear or like a, a little like knife on a a rope uh here it's this seemingly living thing with kind of a dragon face that extrudes itself from scorpion's hand. Yeah, and I um
0: why <laughs> I guess <laughs> is the only question I can ask is why did they go with that instead of just making it a uh,
1: spear yeah I don't know I mean I, I guess they wanted to show off some CG in this and this is a place where they could do it at the best I've got I don't really know you were asking me before we started recording you know kind of what what I thought of this and I mentioned, uh this movie kind of weirdly overwrote whatever impression i had of that move from the game because like i just i guess i was kind of a guileless kid or something because like when i saw this movie i was like okay i guess i always thought that was just a knife but i guess it's like this weird little thing with a face on it that comes out of his hand and that's that's what i will imagine it to be now whenever i play the game so um but i bet that wasn't the thing for a lot of folks and it is a pretty baffling choice yeah, I it. want
2: to say it was creature CGI effects for the sake of creature CGI effects because you know Jurassic yeah. Park wasn't that long before this movie.
1: No, everybody was doing a little bit of CG if they could, you know.
2: Even a little bit of CGI could be utilized as a selling point. Like, I if, mean, it
1: was this stuff was definitely in the trailers. Absolutely that's for sure. Yeah, for you sure. Know? I will say the probably the worst CG effect in this movie is the dagger kind of ra- is the the rope wrapping itself around a tree and then cutting yes. into the tree uh as it tries to get at johnny it's so bad looking
2: yeah that and some of the reptile shots but yeah, oh, yeah but, some yes. of the reptile but yeah in small, the there. in this like orchard or tree farm or whatever yeah, yeah. That, that shot in particular i know exactly what you're talking about it looks hideous but it's funny though because like this change isn't even like a logistical one like we got with the. Uh, the the organic web shooters in the samurai no. spider-man movies where it's like the, i get why they did that it's for expedience where it's like yeah. you don't yeah, need yeah, to sure. explain the gadget he just can do that now whereas this one it's like this so is like purely a ninja just,
1: could have that gadget like that's very that that seems normal for a ninja yeah this
2: this complicates things rather than clarifies things it, it's right. purely it's purely like a whimsical addition that obviously didn't didn't work very well with audiences such that it was never really integrated into the games. What's what's interesting though is that like they kinda show it a little bit with like Scorpion turning into a skeleton at the end of the fight and him having like colored contacts in. Like they kinda hint that he has some supernatural stuff going on, the nature of which is not really explained in the movie. But if memory serves, the the way the graphics were implemented in the original Mortal Kombat the spear like came from out of the frame. Like it came off screen. It was just a, like a, a spear that ports in from a different dimension or something and pulls you into him rather than like an actual throne spear. Um, So maybe, maybe they're hinting at something like that, but again, that's, that's a different type of effect. All you'd have to do is show like a portal open up behind him and just like a, a spear fling out of it. But
1: right, yeah. this was,
2: this was a clear choice on the part of the production that didn't pan out, but somebody really wanted to have Scorpion have a little dragon hand thing that comes <laughs> comes out to play for five seconds in the movie and then is immediately taken out of the picture.
0: <laughs> well, I would guess that like the whole thing with the, the spear in the video game just kind of poofing into existence was more just an issue of economy of sprites. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, like, but. Like the, the spear that Scorpion throws, that's based on a real weapon where you've got, you know, like a like a dart or a spear or something on a rope. And, you know, like that, that's an actual thing. It, it's probably not something that we would have seen in, in a lot of American movies up to this point. So that's maybe why they took the liberties that they did with it, because, you know, like American kids don't know this is based on a real weapon. Um so I, I don't know. I guess that's why they did it. It seems like it is less effective than being a real spear because when he shoots it into the tree, the head of the dragon just kind of explodes and it seems like he doesn't have it anymore. He just killed it. You know what doesn't
2: do that? A spear. Yeah. <laughs> well, What's funny, too, is that it doesn't seem to have any real physical connection to him other than coming out of him. Because like when it no, dies, yeah, it's when, like when its head gets torn off,
1: when...
2: he's like perfectly stationary and he's just like, "I'll wait. <laughs> it's like it's like hitting the return button on a like a tape measure or something he's just like hang on <laughs> right, give me, yeah. a, give me yeah, a second right. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's coming or like a vacuum cleaner cord or something yeah yeah but the point is he doesn't like grimace or anything when it happens he's just like well i guess that's done now it's time to go back to punching and kicking <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I almost wonder, did they just have the actor just like stand and hold that position because they didn't know what they were going to do with the spear yet until they got into the effects booth and was like, oh, let's have it do this and this and this. It's like, OK, I guess he's just going to keep standing there for a while then. Like, yeah, that's fine.
2: <laughs> we, we've got like five minutes of that. Let's yeah, do it. This poor guy is like, you know, I, I limbered up like I, I went through a whole routine this morning and all I have to do is put my hand on my hip and hold my palm up. <laughs> That's hey, all got to I do today. Yeah, he gets to do a cartwheel. cartwheel. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> I helped. I contributed to this production.
1: <laughs> Obviously, the spear gambit does not go well for Scorpion, so he grabs Johnny and teleports them both into the hell zone. Yeah, and
0: uh, I guess this is the nether realm.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's a really wild looking, really I think pretty cool looking, just red expanse It's full of like scaffolding and bones and and like cobwebs yeah this
0: this is a really bad construction site that that, like (laughs) so many bad things happened here guys we just had to leave it yeah they just walked away this is also where they keep all the red we've seen the rooms where they keep all the green and all the blue now we've got all the red that's right
2: yeah we have all of our gel lights rigged up on the floor it's like this is this is a a cheap and quick way to inject some production value into like a half finished set but it ends up actually looking pretty snazzy
0: yeah no this this looks cool and it also makes me wonder like maybe what that sonya and kano fight needed was
2: a better backdrop and setting Mm -hmm. oh and the big thing with this fight though is the uh the doubling Like we, we actually have a proper stunt double for Lyndon Ashby's Nick Cage. And so we actually get to see some legit good (laughs) movement. You you mean Johnny Cage? Oh, sorry. You you said Nick Cage, but I want to see that. I wish, I wish.
0: (laughs) Scorpion literally takes his face off later. So it works. Yeah. There you (laughs) go.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is a considerably better fight than, uh, than the last one, certainly. And, um, Yeah, we get we get, you know, some some good, some actually good like fight choreography. It's not as badly shot as some of the stuff in this movie is, Um, you know, there's some slightly longer takes of things. And this is where there is some like I I called it before, like kind of Sam rainey ish, like camera move stuff, like some kind of like crash cuts and like some some, you know, wild spins and stuff. And like it's 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 a pretty fun, like pretty dynamic fight
2: yeah it has a lot going for it yeah i know what you mean about the cinematography like like in particular during the final stanza of the fight when when uh johnny cage is knocked down into like the skeleton pile like we get these crash zooms into like the skeletons and we see he's kind of freaked out by it but yeah think just everything is stepped up here a little bit i want to say a lot of it does have to do with the soundstage that they're shooting on they were they were able to be more comfortable and set up the camera where they need it to be. And, and yes, the edit is quite a bit more relaxed than some of the other stuff in the movie. Um, and we even get some wire work in here. It's it's like, wow, that was missing from some of the earlier fights in the movie. And it's like, if you're going to have supernatural combatants, they may as well do some supernatural stuff. Uh, even if it's basically just doing impossible flips and um, <laughs> Johnny Cage's random gymnastics routine in the middle of the fight.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: He went to the same school of gymnastics as that girl in Jurassic Park. Too. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, right. Oh.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Raptor versus gymnastics. Uh, gymnastics wins. <laughs> she, yep. she, little did they know she had practiced Jim Kata uh, prior to heading out to uh, <laughs> site B or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Um, but we do get to see Scorpion do, you know, his fatality, even though it doesn't actually kill Johnny. Johnny finds a convenient bladed shield. That was laying around, and, yeah. Uh, he finds a spear too, like a real spear, yeah, yeah. One that, like, would have been smarter for Scorpion to use, clearly, more effective.
2: <laughs> I mean, he does get hit with it, so you could have him have some dialogue, like, oh crap, <laughs> like, I should have picked that up. like, oh, why did I bring my weird dragon thing from my hand? <laughs> like, but yeah, this is this is a weird element of the choreography where it's like, hang on, I thought, like, I I kind of signed up for if this wasn't the phase of Mortal Kombat that we're in now where everybody's got weapons and stuff like
1: yeah right like
2: these days like Mortal Kombat 11 I think that's actually the thesis behind like the character construction it's like everybody has some form of weapon um whereas like in the earlier games it's like no this is like a tournament like it's purely martial arts based and you know supernatural gimmicks oriented but yeah to have have them just like pick up weapons and start chucking them at each other felt like oh that's kind of it's kind of lame. Like that doesn't feel right. Yeah,
1: but yeah, but yeah. Johnny cuts up Scorpion with the bladed shield. This like fire goo, like lava stuff, starts leaking out of him. Uh, and uh, yeah, he slices slices half of his skull off too.
0: Yeah, and then he explodes. <laughs>
2: For some yeah. reason, yeah, uh, he. Uh, I mean, earlier he did have a a get down here, by the way, also delivered by Ed Boone. Oh, yeah, but yeah. this is how you get yeah. around yeah. that PG thirteen and like right. rating, where it's like, well, we can't have like human bloodletting, but what if it's like. Like goopy tang. Like, what if it's like cornstarch and tang coming out of the skeleton guy?
1: No, the, uh, Go, goopy tang. Uh, that, that, that's my uh, uh, hip hop name.
2: Goopy tang.
1: <laughs> goopy tang, too good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently when they were making this movie, they kind of were trying to figure out what the line was for, like what they could actually do in a PG thirteen movie, and what the the censors told them was that. Uh, you could show, like, bodily harm happening to monsters, but not to humans. So that's why they tried to have everything bad that happens to uh, a monster or, like, a, a, you know, non-human supernatural creature in this movie be, like, full front, you know, full in-camera on screen to, like, give people that, like, Mortal Kombat feel without, without like, going over the line. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what we have here with uh, the Geeky
0: Tang. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this whole sequence is pretty satisfying, I think. At least once they get into the realm, I think it is. Um, we don't really get any idea of how Johnny gets out of there. We do see no. he leaves behind his autographed photo. Yep. Um, from the friendship, you know, right? From the friendship. And I'm really disappointed they did not play the friendship Friendship Friendship. thing from Mortal Friendship. Kombat 2 cuz this movie is not above putting goofy video game sound effects into it. It is not, yeah. We'll get there. Yes. Um but yeah, so th- but like this does make me go back to like the whole Sonya Kano thing cuz it's like imagine if they got to fight like on the pit stage and like Sonya wins by knocking Kano off and he just falls to his death. Like you don't need anything gruesome or anything, but you get that satisfying you know, Mortal Kombat Fatality. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm still so mad that, that they did Sonya like that. They did Sonya and Kano like that. I'm mad about it.
1: I'm mad. Well, something else to be kind of, maybe not mad about, but at least confused by is the next couple of scenes, which are back to back. Liu Kang having a fight with Katana. Where she shows up, they do some holds on each other, but it's extremely non-threatening, and she gives him the knowledge that he will need to have to win his next battle. Uh, so
0: you know, I I forgot about this part when I was watching it for the show. I was thinking like, what? She just mean water? You know, like thinking I was yeah. being a smartass but because yes, I was she, like, surely it won't be that dumb. Wa- no, it's that dumb. Yep,
1: it's the element that gives life. Uh, that's what he needs to. Win his next battle. And then, yeah, the next thing we see is uh, uh, Raiden bringing some buckets of water into a room.
0: Okay, so actually, I'm sorry. I want to go back to the Katana Liu Kang fight because, like,
1: why are they fighting? Like, did. I guess it's <Sung>? just the next up on the bracket or something. I don't know. Why would
0: Shang Tsung let him do that? Because he's deliberately wanted to keep her from communicating with them for exactly this reason. She gave him, like, the secret code for the next fight. Like, yeah, it's a real good would, question. Why? Ugh, I and don't know. And, then, really he, and me, then he stops sorry. the fight, but it's too yeah, late. Yeah, and, like, there's no winner. Like, what even? I don't, I, know. I don't know. Yeah, don't know. It
2: it really, it's very clumsy. Like, anytime you have a plant and a payoff back to back, you're doing it wrong. Like, like, Yeah,
1: right. There's nothing in between. There's these two literally scenes. nothing in
2: between. The two scenes are attached to the hip.
1: But we see
0: Raiden bring in the water into the arena where Liu Kang is about to fight Sub-Zero. So, like... He must have planned this with Katana. So I want to know how that conversation went. Like, okay, you need to tell Liu Kang to use water against Sub-Zero in the next fight. Okay, yeah, I can do that. Liu Kang, use the element that
2: you, that brings life. Why the hell didn't you just say water? What is, you could have just said water. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Again, Robin Williams' version. He just like... Jump out onto the battlefield (laughs) and just throw a tirade or something. But yeah,
1: boy, I sure am thirsty here. I mean, the
2: the the (laughs) honest response from her would have been like, "Why don't you just tell him?" I know, (laughs) good boy. I know you're manipulating this whole thing in the first
1: place. So like, yeah.
2: But yeah one one thing that's kind of interesting about the way the fights are structured at this point in the movie uh, is that like with the exception of sonya like both of our other heroes kind of win their fights via gimmicks like they don't really that's they don't really gut it out
1: like a straight no it's true they don't just win the fight by knocking the other person down yeah
2: i I Um, mean that does i guess play into some of like the character arcs i guess where they they haven't fully coalesced as like the heroes that they need to be but it is weird to look at from from like a traditional film standpoint and just be like huh yeah that wasn't a particularly heroic way of winning that fight <laughs> like that's kind of underhanded when you think about it it's like you borderline cheated honestly but then again but yeah. the stakes are very very high and apparently earth <laughs> has been on a really really bad losing streak for like, yeah, <laughs> like that's a
1: thing that i feel like no one ever really talks about with mortal Kombat is like how just earth is in like earth has like you know some of the worst possible uh, luck or or training or something like they have lost nine straight k- tournaments in a row Earth- Earthrealm should actually feel like they're like the yeah, like the red Sox of of you know uh of world combat i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, probably you'd probably need to have more than two teams, honestly, for that to be the case. But yeah, but but yeah, it's like uh, you know, you guys are not good at this. Clearly,
2: <laughs> I mean, Raiden should have straight up just come out and said that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's like, I yeah. love I love you, humans. But good god, you, you're, you're terrible. Not. It's been a rebuilding century for us. <laughs> I lost a lot of money betting on you guys. We'll just say that much.
1: <laughs> we have the the Liu Kang Sub Zero fight, and it's a normal fight for a little while. And then Sub Zero starts charging up this orb of blue, um, you know, ice power. And um, man, like this movie, Sub Zero goes out like an absolute buster in this movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I don't even know how Sub Zero, like, Just didn't die accidentally, like drinking some water and having his ice powers activated or something and just choking to death on the ice that formed in his throat. Like if this is how his powers work, this seems more a liability than cool ability.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely it can be, you know, in this case, it's both
2: yeah in terms of <laughs> yeah. like his his repertoire they they really didn't even bother to explore no. what you could do with ice powers like that's one compliment uh, i can kind of pay to I, mk 2021 yeah actually the 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 fight
1: scenes involving sub-zero in mk 2021 are are extremely good especially compared to this but yeah so so Luke kang is is trying to figure out what to do katana like enters the arena and he like remembers in like voiceover what she just told him, looks over, sees the bucket of water, and is like, the element that brings life. And then he just chucks a bucket of water at Sub-Zero, which turns into the water and it turns into a giant spear of ice that just runs him through runs Sub-Zero through. And well, okay, nails now, him now to, to the be wall.
0: fair To be fair, this is actually based on some pretty solid science. Like, have you ever seen those those viral videos where, like, it gets really cold in Wisconsin or something and some guy, like, takes a bucket of water and just throws it into the air and it it always turns into a giant spear that just plunges into the ground?
1: Oh, that's true. Those are fun videos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those are fun videos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And Sub-Zero even gets like a really shocked sort of like comedy face (laughs) as as the, (laughs) the, the, the spear of ice comes towards him. It's like, oh, man, it's like he pissed off somebody in the production here, like, and they, they wrote him out in a really, really rough way. Yeah. I, I, but I mean, like, up until. Oh, go, go oh ahead. I was just
2: going to say something about the structure of the scene, like, speaks to maybe some problems in the production or something, because I noticed, like, there's some obvious doubling for Sub-Zero which is kind of strange when he has no acting presence in the film. Like, he has no lines of dialogue. He's covered by a mask. Why should there
1: need to be a double? Why should there be
2: numerous people, like, inhabiting the suit? Why not maybe just get the one guy who can do it all and you don't have to take into consideration who's in the frame when and, like, angles and whatnot. So, like, maybe there's an injury or something and they had to cut down the length of the scene. But uh, it's funny. I have a theory that this this film uh, set the precedent for... Sub-Zero's character designs forevermore, bearing uh, thick eyebrows. Uh, Because in the later MK (laughs) games in particular, that's kind of a consistent thing. (laughs) Like, Sub-Zero's got them bushy eyebrows. (laughs) In this movie, he most certainly does.
1: Now, one thing that I think this actually did carry forward from this movie is Sub-Zero's mask being all iced up. Because that is in here, and that is a thing they've done later on. I, I think it's legitimately pretty
2: cool looking. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he would not yet have his uh shredder armor but uh no. yeah the the iced up mask right. was a yeah. thing and yeah it, it it's it it's a scene like it it gets it's the scene, job yeah. done it, it just it, feels so weird, yeah, for there, you know <laughs> for for one of the most like popular of, characters yeah, right. in the franchise yeah but you
0: know, even outside of like the the just absolutely bs way he goes down like This whole scene is just kind of silly, you know, like we get the the wall running thing that just every like karate movie had to have in the mid 90s. Um, Like there's a point where like Liu Kang knocks Sub-Zero down a ramp. So he has to like kind of like flip down this ramp and then Liu Kang's chasing him down the ramp. He's like, I I guess I got to do something cool, too. And he just kind of like jumps in the air and throws a punch at no one as he's going down, like. I, I have to be doing something.
2: Yep. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got an egg on his face, as they call it, when you're, you're yeah. caught in the background pret- pretending to be busy and you make a fool of yourself. <laughs> Th- this could be
1: my imagination, but it also seems like in this scene, um, it's very obvious that they're fighting on like a padded floor in a way that they manage to kind of disguise in other, in other cases. But well, like,
2: I mean, they're fighting on an H.R. Giger painting or something yeah, right. <laughs> like if you get there's this wide shot of the floor that's like, oh, yeah. what is going on? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's really weird.
2: But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, though. The ramp in particular. Yeah, the ramp is, is like, what I was
1: thinking. It's like that. It, it looks like a, a discovery yeah. zone or <laughs> right, something. <yeah. laughs> Um, so yeah, that's sub zero down. Uh, so yeah, these are these outworld champions are falling left and right. And that means that it is time to bring out the ringer. It's time for Goro. Yep, and uh, this is a scene we alluded to earlier. Goro's
0: gonna fight art.
1: Well, and, well okay uh, so before Goro fights art actually, he fights a lot of other people. Uh, oh, and we get yes, you're right. We see a lot get, of people we falling see a lot on of rocks. People falling on rocks, like ten in a row or something. Like this is like okay, yeah, that boat was full of people coming from Earthrealm. This is actually how most of them are going down. Is Goro, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, then we the, when we we see a, an actually played out uh, version of of the scene where he fights Art, who was a guy that Johnny interacted with uh, earlier in the movie, coming onto the boat. This is a guy Johnny had seen fight somewhere, and there was like a little bit of like mutual respect. That does not at all explain why everyone is so broken up when art goes down in the in this I don't know what you're talking about. I I like art art is my best friend. Like
0: I was devastated. <laughs>
1: Apparently originally they had planned to have a whole scene where they have a funeral for art and they like oh bury God. him under like a, a statue of like some great earth warrior and like oh. Yeah, and like they do they they cut that so I mean,
0: but also like, like Johnny is trying to be like, you know, his, his, like in his corner and he's just giving those useless advice. Like, no, no, no,
1: get up, go go (laughs) back. Yeah, he's like, like, get out of there, get some distance between you. And it's like, while Goro is like literally grabbing Art by the arm, so he can't move.
0: (laughs) It's like, dude. No, you, you need to punch him rather than him punching yeah, you.
2: I mean, this is worse than Paulie telling Rocky hit the one in the middle. <laughs> right, like, yeah. like at least that's somewhat like useful, but yeah, this is pathetic. And yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Art eating it here is like akin to like morph in that first episode <laughs> yeah, right. of X-Men. It's like, oh, <laughs> like was hang on. <laughs> this guy was here to die. Yeah, it's like, no, like nobody could be bothered to care about Morph. I'm sorry, <laughs> no. but everybody sure pretended, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, he's just here to be expendable. And, and I don't know what you're talking about. Morph was my best friend. I mean, I'll never forget that line that Morph is dead <laughs> because gene gray has to be bummed out about something uh at the end of every Except episode Morph
0: isn't dead he's still alive at the end of that series and they're bringing it back so what are they going to do with morph when they bring that back Oh yeah that and he got
2: them serious bags under his eyes too just mm. to like si- yeah. signal that more oh, morph's up to no good <laughs> but yeah morph i guess anyway. has more personality than art uh, who is very quickly killed off but it's kind of funny actually i noticed uh <laughs> the soundtrack for this movie by the way is kind of a big deal oh yeah Um, yeah i mean at the very least uh, folks at home definitely check out the chinese ninja warrior uh uh, track uh that's not in the film but it's like part of the like uh image album or concept album that accompanied it uh, it's wonderful in how terrible it is. <laughs> I, I'm,
0: I'm sure it's at least better than the album where
2: all the Mortal Kombat characters sing. <laughs> I mean, it's it may even be the same album, honestly. <laughs> but but um, the the score <laughs> no, here that... is by George S. Clinton, not 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 not, not George fun, Clinton, George Clinton. Yes, but, not that. Yeah, I, I was yeah. very disappointed to learn that uh, at some point, but. Um, the piece of music that kind of serves as Goro's theme and plays over the sequence, I want to say, is actually directly lifted from the arcade games. Yeah, I noticed that. Um... I think it's like the attract mode of maybe the first game mm-hmm. or the second one. Um, but it's like it's a weird thing where it's like an earworm where it's like I've I've definitely heard this and I'm almost positive it's directly from the arcade game. But the rest of the score, as far as I know, is just all original. Uh, but yeah, art is executed, um, and uh, Shang Tsung kind of like instructs Goro to to just finish the deed. And It's it's delivered via like a really clumsy hammer fist over it's the top not of the good. head. Look,
1: that that is a limit to the, well, the animatronic, definitely. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And that, that's kind of a shame because
0: that's like Goro's signature move from the original game was where he grabs you with two hands and pounds on your chest with the other two. So yeah, it's a shame they couldn't. You know, really effectively do that with the animatronic they had, but
1: I will say the. uh, I wonder if they could have done it in silhouette mm, or something. Yeah, I will say the shot of uh, Art's soul getting sucked into Shang Tsung's eyes was in uh, was in all of the trailers for this movie. Oh yeah, uh, yeah.
2: It, it's a decent effect yeah, as well. It's
1: pretty cool effect. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow. Spoilers.
1: Trailer. <laughs> like. <art. laughs>
2: oh my Sorry, god. That, that art dies. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was the whole reason I was going to see the movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, uh, you know, the the great tragedy of Art's death uh, inspires Johnny to make, uh, well, let's uh, just say a very, a very hasty decision. Yeah, well,
0: and this follows the talk with Raiden where he does tell them about their, you know, what their fears are. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Johnny immediately challenges Goro, which you would have thought is the thing, it's the sort of thing that Raiden was warning him not to do,
1: but... Uh, no, nope. Raiden actually seems happy about this, yeah. aside from the really, really wide open stipulation that Shang Tsung makes on him fighting Goro, which is that if Johnny wins, Shang Tsung reserves the right to challenge Johnny or another of his choosing... To fight like, for could, the championship. Could he have
0: not done that anyway? Because it seems like people are just allowed to make challenges. So. Yeah,
1: it, it does. It does. But it seems like they treat it like it's a big deal. Uh, but maybe it's only a big deal because Johnny's agreeing to fight Goro here, who's almost certain to win. Like, the,
0: the rules of this uh, tournament are all very, like, no, I hit you with a laser, nutty. so you have to you have to fall down. It, like, it's...
1: Right, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> no uh I have a laser-proof yeah, the, shield. The s- <laughs> God this this movie doesn't do an especially good job of handling the in between fights moments like the character moments. No. <laughs> um this is why movies like Bloodsport were structured with music videos in between <laughs> all that or like waking up in the morning with a lady in your bed montages yep. and stuff like that or Van Damme doing the splits between two chairs moments things that don't really require scripts in order to shoot. Um it, music montages probably would have really helped this movie honestly just like a montage of people getting hit, for instance, yeah, right? that show, shows a passage of time and shows progression like, in the tournament.
1: We almost get that with all the dudes getting knocked down by Goro, but it's only with Goro. So it's it's just to establish how big of a badass Goro is. So. Yeah, and
2: shooting and montage also enables you to hide some of the liabilities of your your actor's martial arts capabilities. Yeah, that's true. It's like you, just, you just show like highlight real moments rather than... Like, fully blocked out fights and, and it probably would have done this movie some, some good to have like a, a montage of just tournament stuff rather than these kind of redundant character beats. Right. That honestly kind of just make things more complicated than they need. Yeah. To be. They're,
1: they're very confused and they kind of just go around and around with like the same, the same conversations basically. Um. But yeah, so, so uh Johnny, Johnny, challenges goro and uh johnny has got a plan and the plan is to get his sunglasses crushed by goro uh smash goro in the balls with his his splits attack uh which is one of johnny's signature moves from the game of course uh and um then let goro kind of chase him uh to a place where he can get the upper hand on him
0: like, was this always on the table? Were you always allowed to just leave yeah. the arena and fight someplace
1: else? Well, it seems like it's very nebulous what the arenas in this even are. Yeah. So I guess so. Like, I don't know. It's weird how many of these fights take place without an audience at all. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically. Uh, so one thing I was curious about that I have really stood out to me when I was watching this is like, after um Goro gets gets punched in the balls and he's like doing the big comedy, like you know, wincing, holding his holding his, his junk sort of thing, there is a voiceover of somebody being like, Wow, that hurt. And it's like, who is that supposed to be? Because it to me, it definitely just sounds like JB Smoove's Pooty Tang character doing voiceover narration, <laughs> just for this one line. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was too distracted by some of the ac- the the extras in the background yeah. to notice details like that. In particular, uh, we Kyle and I had dubbed them the Goro twins.
1: Uh, <laughs> then, oh, the two guys were just <laughs> super into Goro. Yeah, they just
2: keep going, yeah, Goro, and they keep looking at each other like dead in their like eyes. A, <laughs> you want to like pull out Goro yeah. trading cards and. Yes, <laughs> I mean, they're both, they're twins, they're both super jacked, and they just, the movie keeps cutting to them, they going, just yeah, yeah, Goro! <laughs> and then there's, like, a dude with, like, flannels, that's just, he, <laughs> he's just, like, the one guy in the crowd that's just, like, his wardrobe totally doesn't fit in with everyone else, like, all the monks and stuff.
0: He's, but, he's a yeah. journalist, I mean, he, he's he, just he,
2: there to write about it for some
0: sports right, magazine yeah. or something. Fuck. <laughs>
2: But yeah, this, the structure of this, like, Emmy, I'm glad you brought up that uh, there were some complications with the Goro animatronic because the structure of the scene really points to that, that yeah. we, we just need to get Goro out of here quick. Yeah,
1: it's it's a, this is such a quick thing. Like, it's so fast and like, it's so underwhelming compared to how much they've built up Goro yeah. at this point. Um. So, yeah, Goro chases Johnny up to a cliffside where Johnny kind of surprises him. Gives his uh, gives gives his famous line. Uh, Those were five hundred dollars sunglasses, uh, and then kicks him off the cliff.
2: And that's it for Goro.
1: <laughs> that is, and that's it for exit exit Goro. That's a wrap on Goro. For this one.
0: <laughs> and, and again, like because you know, like we did get to establish Goro as a threat through you know the montage of people falling on rocks and and the fight with Art, but still like.
1: No one ever thought to just hit him in the balls, deal you know, in the past century, huh? Like, Yeah, those weren't protected, clearly. Like, he's not wearing anything to armor himself there. He's just doing it for modesty's sake, basically. Yeah, so it, so, it really yeah.
0: does feel like, you know, you, you have to wonder, like, Earthrealm hasn't been been able to beat these guys in over 100 years or
1: whatever it was? Like, come on. Can't, cannot emphasize how bad the last round of Earthrealm champions
2: were. <laughs> like, they were just... <laughs> Yeah, the not ready for primetime players of Earth realm.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Goro goes down and exit. Uh, Frank Welker, by the way. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah it's Frank <laughs> Welker. Well, it's uh, apparently Kevin Michael Richardson is the speaking voice, and you can definitely hear that. But anytime he's going, Urgh! is most yeah. certainly Frank Welker. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> um, Welker! I think will be will. Back actually in this movie, yes, yeah, and he w- he, di- he died, but he'll come back. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Frank Welker, he'll be back. Goro, not so much. Okay, right. Yes, Goro, yes. not so
1: much. Uh, I did want to mention that uh, uh, when we were trying to come up with names for this podcast, uh, we eventually decided on Quick Change the Channel, which is the legendary Zangief Flying from Street Fighter. Uh, Five hundred dollars sunglasses <laughs> podcast was another yes. uh, another contender there. So, yeah,
2: mm. uh, I, I, for one, am glad you went with the former. I think that uh, so. So, yeah. are,
1: so are we. So are we. But uh just wanted to mention that that was that was in the mix there. Um, and then, yeah, it's it's time to hit the gas and head <laughs> right screaming into act three of this one here. Oh, boy. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So Shang Tsung, I believe, has immediately just kidnapped Sonia now.
1: Yeah. Just just grabbed her. And everyone can hear her screaming from like across the island. Liu Kang and Johnny and Raiden rush over to what we have never seen before is the, uh, the portal to Outworld. And Shang Tsung is like, I challenge her. Uh, and he, you know, some, some blue goo shows up and grabs them and takes them to Outworld.
0: Yep. And, uh, and Raiden helpfully tells them, uh, no, she can't beat Jang Sung. She's a girl. Girls shouldn't even be playing video games. Everyone's like, Dude, oh, man, the reigns of, of Gamer movie, Gator.
1: No, man, this movie does some whack stuff with Sonya. And this is, uh, yeah, uh, just just inexplicably. She is just completely, you know, helpless in all of this. And also seemingly terrified, uh, which I guess I would be too, but I'm also not like a badass special forces soldier. So So, so the thing is,
0: like, oh no, he's got Sonya. He's going to challenge her and she can't beat him. That's, boy, that sure does suck for us because I guess if he beats her, then he wins?
1: Is that how this works? I guess so. Yeah. You know, it seems like he could have challenged anybody at any point and. Beat them if that's all it took.
0: He could have like waited until like Goro beat art half to death and then like, oh, you know what? Actually, actually,
1: well, <laughs> I challenge art now. Now I challenge art. And the thing is, like, well, okay. Oh, so, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Um, I, I mean, I guess what this is, is that like by <sighs> I'm trying to figure out how this could possibly make sense. And the only thing I can come up with is the idea that by beating Goro, Johnny is now technically like. The you know the top contender, and because Johnny made that deal with shang Song that he could challenge somebody in Johnny's place, anybody that jo that that Shane Song beats now is is counts as like a total win for for Outworld. Okay, right, sure. Is that what we're do- is that what we're doing here? I mean, it we, doesn't make sense. We anyway, might as well so. be because
0: again, like this does have the feeling of like. Uh, actually, we're just making up the rules as we go. We didn't even write a script for this movie. Like, we're just making this up. Because, so, like, he, he takes Sonya, but then Raiden tells them, or no, no, Liu Kang tells them. Liu Kang somehow already knows that she has to accept the fight, which is right. not a rule that was established before, but I guess, okay, that's actually the rule. So, so she has to accept the fight, And again, like, why did he need to kidnap her to make this happen? He could have just said, I challenge Sonya left in the portal by himself. And now Sonya's like, oh, crap, I guess I have to fight him. And then, you know, at this point, Raiden could say, no, don't let your arrogance or whatever, you know, like get the better of you. He's hoping
1: something to tie it in. He's hoping that
0: that you will go off and, and accept his challenge because, you know, you're you're afraid to say no, but Liu Kang's the only one that could beat him. Cause then at least it would be the implication that like, okay, it's not that Sonya can't beat him. It's that Liu Kang is the only one who can, because he's the most special boy. Right. You know, so.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make any but sense. But then we can't, um, you know, get
0: Sonya in the dress later, I guess. So,
1: you know. Oh, that dress. Uh, at least they kind of make fun of it, but yikes. Um <sighs> No, um, so, okay. Raiden can't go with them, but the other two can go to Outrealm. Uh, is it Outworld or Outrealm? It's Outworld. Netherrealm and Outworld. Yeah, ne- yeah right? Netherrealm yeah, and uh, Outworld, yeah. 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 So, so. But let's not forget Order Realm Outworld. and Chaos Realm. Oh, can we? <laughs> yes, we can, actually. <laughs> um, Yeah. uh, So they go off into the Blue Goo portal and suddenly they're in Outworld. And I remember being super hyped for this development when I was a kid because I was like, oh, my God, they're going to Outworld. This is like some Mortal Kombat 2 stuff now. But like, honestly, this is a way less cool environment for the end of the movie to take place in than the island was. Yeah,
0: like the the arena for the final battle is very underwhelming like, the way that the battle unfolds is very underwhelming. And again, like, talking about how, like, this just makes everybody on the bad guy's team just look like they go down like chumps. Shang Tsung is portrayed as an absolute freaking coward at this point, who is completely inept, not, like, way out of his league with fighting anybody, which is why, you know, like, he's like, oh, I'm gonna fight, you know, like, who I perceive to be the weakest of the The Earthrealm fighters. Yeah, right. You know, like, just... Like, yeah, he comes off as but, an absolute but, yeah, doofus. Mean,
1: yeah, but I mean, even before that, like we've got this kind of like Outworld is is portrayed here as like permanently, permanently nightfall with these big kind of like old, but also industrial looking buildings. Uh, these genuinely kind of freaky statue um, effigy things with fire on them. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of it. Honestly, Uh, Johnny says he hates it here. This is all Johnny does at this point for the rest of the movie is complain. Like there is nothing else left for Johnny to do. Um, And then Reptile shows up and climbs into one of these statue effigies and turns into like Green Ninja Reptile. And we do get the voiceover from the the game announcer going Reptile when he kind of shows up to the fight here. And then we have uh, what I I think is probably the best best fight in the movie. Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, oh, like hands down, I think. Yeah,
1: which as we already discussed, was added in reshoots because people uh, were kind of dissatisfied with the fighting in the movie overall when they saw it. And um, yeah, like this is this is some some pretty good stuff. Uh, we get a lot of cool camera work. We get some some you know really solid martial arts action. Luke Kang's bicycle kick up in this thing. Yeah, I thought this one was neat.
0: Um and the actor playing Reptile, I believe is a stuntman who actually gets lines in the next Mortal Kombat movie
2: where he will play the other Sub-Zero. Yes. Yeah. Uh he, uh, he his name is Keith Cook and also uh Another connection. Uh, him and Robin okay. Show also worked together on Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, uh, so okay. The, so the two of them have probably hit each other on at least three different films. <laughs>
1: Man, so speaking of speaking of Robin Show getting hit, apparently Robin Show cracked several ribs doing this fight. Ooh. And um, he the only person he told was the actor playing Reptile because he was just like, yeah, just don't hit me on the left side. Uh, and like basically he didn't want like the fight to get he, he didn't want the day's shooting to get like stopped so that he could like go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So he just kept it secret until the end of shooting. Oh, boy. Um,
2: yeah. Well, <laughs> but... in 1995, you know, it's first movie he's really headlined honestly at least in this country I, i i you know if you weigh if you weigh the risks i i could I could see myself maybe doing the same thing. But yeah. Like good, it's it's like, rough
1: though. Yeah. It,
2: it worked out. I mean, what we got in the finished film, like it, it, it actually yeah. looks pretty snazzy. The choreography is a little tighter than some of the other fights. Uh, the mm-hmm. creativity on display is, is not to be taken for granted. Like they really do some fun stuff, even, even just really simple things. Like, the postures and poses that reptile takes up. Like he actually does some like reptilian movements and stuff like Mm -hmm. simple, like reptile is not a character in this film, (laughs) but he gets like some reptile hisses in there and has some movements that kind of make you think of something reptilian. And, and yeah, man, we get a bicycle kick like on a wire assisted bicycle kick. Like it, it, it looks stupid, but it's in the movie and it's from the (laughs) game. And you know, sometimes for fan service purposes, that's all you have to do to make people happy. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yet so a, many of these movies don't do these things.
0: I am a little bit sad that, that, uh, that, that Luke Kang didn't go like way into the Bruce Lee, uh, um, uh, yeah, oh, Bruce, the oh. Bruce Lee, like
1: yeah, it's the Bruce Lee, like the the sounds, right? Yeah, oh, the the, the I,
2: key eyes or whatever you want to call them. I'm yeah. thinking more Kenshiro from uh, Fist of the North Star, like, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> like something like that,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Yeah um I, i'm just happy there was a bicycle kick anytime you know if you're making a fighting game movie like just do the moves do, from do the, the game yeah
1: <laughs> yep. this is something that street fighter almost entirely avoided
2: um, yeah they need to have some schlubby guy on the set that hangs out with the continuity people and just says do the thing, <laughs> like, do the like, thing. And just reminds like, all the stunt players do the thing
1: <laughs> like, this is our audience folks i mean honestly like uh, go ahead yeah, pander I, yeah no. Yeah, he bicycle kicks reptile so hard that reptile, like, CG reptile comes out of the, like, statue thing. And Luke Kang just smashes him. He just, like, curb stomps yeah, him. Yeah, speaking no. of
2: Bruce Lee, the the stomp uh, with yeah. the e- emotive face that's a Bruce yes. Lee trademark. Though, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, is he sad or angry? I don't know, but he feels things. Yeah. <laughs> Really quick though. Um
0: Emmy, you were saying that like the the reptile CG thing inhabits a statue. Was
2: it a statue or was it like a dead body? It's both. It's a statue that has a corpse in it. They're like crucified people or something. What's particularly strange, though, is he doesn't jump into it. He's thrown into it. And oh,
1: that's right. That's really weird. It's like, wow, that's an upgrade. Yeah, it's like that worked out really upgrade. well.
2: And you got some yeah. snazzy eyebrows and you're not half bad looking after that. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, but it also looks like the reptile thing is trying to get away and it's like being pulled into the body yeah. against its will at first. Yeah, I'm like, I do
1: not get any of that.
0: Yeah,
2: none of that makes sense. No,
1: I don't want the increased sentience of being a human.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this worked out really well. Oh, wait, no, I'm dead. And now I'm bugs. <laughs> now I'm bugs. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the last thing before we get to the tower. Though we do get a we get, we get two different like CG like pans up this tower.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the opening of uh, the Rescuers Down Under, where we get yeah, that... it's kind of
1: like that. Yeah, but the...
2: I, I need to draw attention to that second swooping CGI shot though when we head into the tower and when we stop on Sonia because one the dress, two the hair. She looks like she's on the set of like a, a meatloaf music video or something. Yeah. Um. But the the way the shot lines up and like the the pixels around like her cutout frame, like it looks like straight out of Phantasmagoria or something. Like it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. It looks like like a FMV game from 1995. It, it in a feature film that was released to theaters. It's like whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, if only the Sega
0: Control Attack Force were here. The Night, Night Trap <laughs> reference, I don't know
2: how many people got that at home. Uh, I, I Unfortunately, I never got to play Night Trap, although I know it has been re-released in recent days, and I'd actually oh, like to right. check it out. Because yeah. Uh, yeah. some of those old FMV games, man, I, I have very wonderful memories of some of those trashy games. <laughs> yeah. It has something of a kinship with Mortal Kombat, because those
0: were the big two games that you know basically formed the ESRB, or...
1: Yeah, they were the ones at the, the big uh, congressional hearings. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they meet up with Katana as well, who gives them some very convenient and basically meaningless exposition about like the challenges they will face in the tower.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm really disappointed that like all the character portraits weren't on the tower as they start going up. But
1: Yeah, because that's the other thing is that the tower is 100 percent the the like frame that all of the like arcade mode character portraits are in. When you're playing single player Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah, right. they should have followed through
2: with that and just had like a giant Shao Kahn standing at the top of the tower, yeah, just like yeah. with one fist pumped up. And it's like, all does right. he does he do anything? It's like, no, he just stands there.
1: It's like, yeah, that's kind of his job, really. <laughs> he
2: just hangs out there until one of these character portraits gets to the top, and then he steals all your money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what he does. Yep, yep, yep. Shao Kahn is taunting Sonya, being creepy at her. And uh, she says that her her friends will come and save her. Uh, And then one of the monks that's in the room takes off his hood and it's Johnny. And he's like, they're already here. And uh, oh, Lord, it's cheesy. But yeah, (laughs) I I love it. But it's it's cheesy. Um, And yeah, yeah. Lou and Katana are also there, and Lou says that he is going to be the person to fight Shang Tsung, and somehow this is fine.
2: Yeah, I I guess if there's Uh, a counter proposal, you can't decline it. So it's like if if nobody wants to fight, but like the big bad of Outworld gets challenged. Then it's like, ah oh, man, I guess I got.
1: <laughs> Look, it's like it's like baseball. The laws of Mortal Kombat have been accrued over 10 centuries of fights. And there it's a thick tome. I'm just imagining there's like a like a Baraka that's like a rules lawyer <laughs> who's just like. Uh, yes, son, <laughs> <chen, chen. laughs> You must accept the challenge.
2: There's
0: nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play Mortal Kombat.
2: <laughs> there, was, there was a dark period in the history of Mortal Kombat wherein uh, gold necklaces were banned because they were distracting to the to the batters, <laughs> 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 to the fighters. That is. <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: This last. Confrontation is going to have the three components that were uh, laid out by Katana, which are that you must face your enemy, you must face yourself, and you must face your greatest fear, and only two of these are really going to get. Faced.
0: It's, it's all done in the just dumbest way possible like the face your enemy like a bunch of random people just start showing up
1: i think there was like a samurai in there at one point like yeah i think the idea is that these are souls that shang song has like captured after killing in like previous mortal combats so they're supposed to be like great warriors from history but they're not like known characters or anything like there's nothing like particularly like interesting or cool about them yeah but you know what would have been
0: cool here is if a, Shang Tsung actually used his shape-shifting ability, which we have seen him use in this movie, and B, like just turn into the other fighters that have already lost in this tournament. Like, suddenly he's Kano and he fights for a few seconds. Suddenly he's Sub-Zero and he fights. You know, like, do that. That's actually... the that, thing, yeah. That's do the more, thing. <laughs> that's more accurate to the whole idea of fighting your enemy. These are literally people... That Luke Kang has had to fight throughout this tournament.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, Link,
2: you're, you're really onto something there. That would have been a much more appropriate way that to handle been much this. Cooler, I mean, honestly, th- what you could do is have him turn into Johnny, have him turn into Sonya. Like, we, there, yes. there hasn't been a limitation yeah. on his ability to turn into people. Like, he no. doesn't have to take their soul. Like, I don't. I hope he didn't kill Master Boyd. Master Boyd's been in a lot of John Carpenter movies. I like him. But uh, <laughs> maybe he doesn't have to kill right. people in order to turn into them. And the morphing technology in 1995 was kind of cool. Like, like yeah.
1: As, I mean, they actually use the morphing technology in this movie in a, a few different ways that are uh, all yeah, cool. The, the so sh- they could have just done the the more The shot of, of
2: him going from Master Boyd to Carry Tagawa looks really good. Like even today, it looks yeah, fine.
1: We get the
0: fight your enemy. He fights a bunch of you know, uh, like like you said, jobbers and you know from from history, <laughs> jobbers from history, history's greatest yeah, jobbers. Liu Kang versus
2: the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just want to see like so, some like spindly Irishman come out. You know, like he's got his fists up. Like all right, you, it's time for some fisticuffs and <laughs> something like that. I don't know. No,
2: all these guys, all these guys fall down real fast. Yeah. Um, then I guess I I don't
0: actually know how he faces himself. Is that the thing with his brother or like No, that's not the thing with his
1: brother. That is <laughs> that that is that is Shang Sung like issuing a threat to him and him being like yeah, whatever. Oh, okay. That's what
0: that was. All right. You know what would have been cooler if Shang Sung turned into Lu Kang. Oh. Yeah,
1: like I thought that's like cuz the mirror match is one of the, is like the last thing you do in Mortal Kombat before yes. you fight Goro and and Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe they thought the technology was not there to do a cool fight scene that way. But um, I don't know. I bet they could have done something that would have been better than the kind of nothing burger that we get from this. He says like like Liu Kang basically says like a positive affirmation to himself. You know, he's like, you can you can take my soul, but you don't own it or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he goes up to confront Shang Tsung, and the Face Your Fears is this last bit where Shang Tsung actually turns into Liu Kang's brother.
0: And again, this
1: whole thing is so stupid. He's all like,
0: hey, hey come with me, Liu. I forgive you for letting me die. And I'm like, wait, what? Come where? What was even going to be... What do you think would be the outcome here? That Liu Kang would be like, yeah, sure, I'll come with you. And then he, I don't know, like lures him into a trap
1: door or something. Uh, like, uh, well, th- this is when the spikes come out of the big Mortal Kombat dragon symbol. Oh, right, 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 So right, I right. think he was going to like shove him off onto it yeah, or he's like, but, come you know, on. Again, but-
0: what would have made more sense, Shang Tsung turns into his brother and he says, you let me die and then fights him.
1: Yeah, that would have been better. That would yeah. have been And then
0: Liu Kang is, is, you know, like rattled at first because he has to fight his brother who he's still feeling this guilt over, but comes to his senses and, and you know, actually fights with him. Like, th- again, that's how you do this.
1: What were they thinking? I don't know. This, this isn't hard. It's, this this was not hard to come up with. The music here <laughs> tries to sell this as a really dramatic moment. Is Luke going to get tricked by this? Is it going to work? And then he's like. Like, Shang Tsung killed my brother, and that's it. That's, you know, that's him coming to grips with the fact that he is not responsible for his brother's death. Uh, so that's presumably like Liu Kang's character arc completed for the movie. So now all he has to do is throw some slow motion punches at Shang Tsung and
2: kick him off.
1: There is a little bit of a special effect here. He is doing a sort of version of a fireball, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is an yeah. orange
2: beam that comes out of his hands when he
0: knocks him off yeah. the ledge. It's it's better than the Street Fighter Hadoken that they did. That's what, so you rich. mean
2: one frame of white inserted in between punches? Yes. <laughs> uh yeah, that
0: was
1: what
2: I meant. <laughs> <laughs> High quality special effects, spared no expense.
1: We go get the shot of like Liu Kang with like all the light behind him from like the hallway. And like, you know, he's all like glistening and, you know, moving in slow motion. So it's like a really cool, like, you know, Bruce Lee here, Bruce Lee style, like hero shot sort of it's, it's followed up by him shoving like uh fireball shoving uh, uh, Shang Tsung off and right onto those dragon spikes.
0: Yep. And again, we don't get like a, excellent or outstanding
1: or anything like that he does say flawless victory again it's like no lou no it's like, this is the least flawless victory you took so many hits in that fight this is the opposite of a flawless. i like, i'm looking victory. at your
2: life bar buddy you might as well have just said like i'll have what she's having or yeah. something rubber baby buggy bumpers
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh there's there's also a bit where they're while they're having the confrontation where the souls that are in Shang Tsung start, like, leaving him. Like, they start, like, tearing away from him. Um, and I'm not really sure how this was supposed to fit into what's actually happening here.
2: I think the idea is Lou has defeated him before he's actually physically defeated him.
1: I, I, guess, I guess that's what we're, we're supposed to take out of that. But, yeah, so he, he shoves him off of there and uh, a huge beam of light erupts from his body from, from Shang Sun's body and all of the souls uh, get to kind of just wander on up to heaven. <laughs>
2: yeah all the all the gray jpegs of the top half of people's bodies swirl around this yep. this vortex of light also in the trailer if i remember right oh yeah so. yeah <laughs> but yeah all the souls are freed and uh, chang comes out to say hey lou you did it you killed a guy awesome <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm gonna go back to heaven now bye see you ya,
1: see ya in like 60 years
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, i'll was like, i see you in a few it's like what never mind <laughs> see you <ya." Don't> <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I ain't say anything. <laughs> um,
1: and yeah, and then we get a very quick wrap up to the movie. I actually timed this from the end of um, the fight with with Shang Tsung. Uh, it is two minutes and 28 seconds before the end of the movie.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. it is. Uh, uh, it is very fast.
1: <laughs> it is very, very fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because there's like 20 seconds of decent fighting in the finale. Like uh-huh. with Shang Tsung. But, and we even get it accompanied with the Mortal Kombat theme song.
1: That's right, um, yeah.
2: But then it's like 20 seconds, and it's like, oh, the music's settling down. Oh, they're talking now. Oh, no. <laughs> and then two minutes later, it's all over. It's like, what yeah. What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Don't we get, like, Enya music or something? Yeah, we like, do. When- <laughs> we get some Enya music that starts playing
1: when uh, Lou, like, reunites with his friends. And then they go back to the, the Temple of Light that... Um, they were out at the, that he was out at the beginning of the movie. And this is this is definitely the moment where I had to like, oh, Raiden's just the genie thought uh. Raiden's like, like, you know, yeah, you guys did it. I didn't think that would happen. Uh, I didn't I didn't have any clue that would happen, but that's great.
2: Yeah, he. I mean, he doesn't tell them he's going to Disney World or you know no. to the Bahamas or whatever. But no. <laughs> but he does get another. I don't think so in there in the form of uh, a sequel tease at the yeah, end man. of the film.
1: Yeah, uh, man. So yeah, every video game movie had to end with some kind of a sequel tease.
2: Oh, you're never gonna believe this, guys. You're
1: never gonna <laughs> believe this, guys. Uh, this one's the probably the most extreme because out of nowhere, the giants semi see-through projection of of the emperor who's never never named Shao Kahn here but and this is this is the other Frank Walker voice right yes yes yeah. it is yeah
2: you great pathetic fools I've come for your souls
1: that was good
2: it's practiced I've I had a weird childhood <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: impressed really yeah, that that's is very good. really good <laughs> Reden's like, I don't think so. And they all line up and then slam Mortal Kombat symbol. Yeah. And only two and a
2: half minutes ago, we had the theme song, but it's back again. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the movie that actually got that sequel. This one. This one. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Nope. Not Street Fighter. This one. Well, people actually saw this movie. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's that's the movie. Um, There's some more music over the credits. One of the songs just has like lines from the movie over techno beats Yes, it's very special.
0: Yeah, so that's that's the movie. So, OK, so we've got our, our, our movies ranked. We've got Street Fighter still at the top. I believe Super Mario Brothers is in the middle and then Double Dragons at the bottom. Um, where do you think this one belongs on that list?
1: I would say I do not like this movie as much as Street Fighter. Neither I think I. Street Fighter is a camp classic. Uh, I think Raul Julia is so good in that movie that it elevates the whole thing. I would put this below Street Fighter. I think this is better than the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's more watchable than that one. Uh, And I actively did not enjoy watching Double Dragon. Like Double Dragon was a slog to sit through in a way this one just was not. So I would put this second.
0: I would be tempted to fight for this going below Mario brothers
1: just because Mario brothers is just so bonkers. And it's so weird that I do like that about it, but I think that I think you can, you, you can like these movies for basically the opposite reason, like that one for being just like a really strange take on, on super Mario brothers. And this one for being essentially the only video game movie for like, a number of years that actually managed to do like a fairly successful version of like translating like the vibe and like the overall kind of just thing of the game into a movie, even if it's not a very good movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So, you know what? I think I'm okay with this going, uh, above super Mario brothers. So it is now street fighter, mortal Kombat, super Mario brothers, double dragon.
1: I both get why this movie, because this movie does the thing, right? (laughs) Like this movie does, it it (laughs) is the Mortal Kombat movie in a way that like the Double Dragon movie just is not. But it is also, it's got some real problems. There's definitely like real places where you can see them just running out of time or money in like real time, basically. And like there's lots of parts of it that just like don't make sense. But yeah, overall, uh, I I had a, a good time revisiting this one. It was all right. I don't think I had quite as good a time.
0: But in any case, um, because this movie ended so abruptly and because we are at nearly three hours on this one, uh, we are going to try and end it just as abruptly.
2: Trevor, please uh, tell us. Where can people find you, and and, uh, why should they? I mean, I can't supply the why. That's up up to whoever might be listening. But um, (laughs) yeah, you can find me and my usual co-host, Kyle, who's currently on hiatus, being as he's got some real-life stuff to take care of. But I've been having a lot of guests on the show this whole month of November 2021. Um, But yeah, you can find us at uh, Catching Up on Cinema uh we do have a couple of uh social media accounts in the form of an instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh we also have a website catching and all of our episodes are collected there uh, and the show is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine including cephalopod so yeah google it and uh, hopefully you'll find us
1: Thank you, Trevor, so much for for
2: coming by. This was awesome. This was really fun. Um, Did you have any final thoughts on the movie as well? Well, I remained silent because I found myself just kind of, again, playing that middle road and uh, agreeing with both of you. Because the the rankings in particular, I I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, Yeah, I, I think those rankings are very appropriate. In particular, I think Street Fighter is... The most worthy of reappraisal of all of these early video game movies because as a, as a youth as a youth um, I didn't appreciate it as much, but as an adult coming back to it, as you said it, it is a campy film and there's certain elements to it that as a child I just didn't recognize as being entertaining like I wasn't able to see the right angles of it I guess um, but upon re-watching it in more recent days it's like wow. This movie has a lot going on, and it's actually fairly clever for the most part. There's actually multiple solid performances in there. Uh, Mr. Yarsky, who portrays Zangief, oh, stole my yeah, heart even as sure. a kid. Um, um, but yeah, Mortal Kombat. I think its biggest strength is that it is a video game movie. It is one of the one of the closer ones to the source material, and one of the movies that had the most bearing on the on the path the the course that uh, the games would follow. Uh, for the years to come. So that's that's certainly worth noting. Um, but one of its bits, biggest strengths as a movie, I think, is its watchability. It's a very good passive watching experience, which is not something I practice very often. But like, if you have friends over or something, and you're just kind of hanging out, and you want a movie on in the background, it has a good rhythm to it where it's just like, oh, are they hitting each other? It's like, if they're not hitting each other, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> but um, it, it has that quality to it. Plus, it has the 90s cheese um, which which is delightful in its own right. Like some of the music cues in this film that I probably should have said more about over the course of this three hour conversation. Like anybody um, who's been to like an elementary school martial arts tournament knows what this soundtrack sounds like. Thank yeah. you, thank you. My my uh, my my cousin her her gymnastics meets had all like half of the soundtrack of this movie playing <laughs> over it. Like no joke. Like literally the Mortal Kombat soundtrack as well as some other tracks that were. Dangerously close, like borderline, like legal action <laughs> right. could have been taken. <laughs> kind of close to to the Immortals um, techno syndrome, uh, which is the Mortal Kombat theme. But yeah, uh, the opening minute of this movie—I uh, don't think we mentioned it—is fantastic. It's just the Mortal Kombat song and some yeah. fire and the title. It's like if you want a strong opening to a movie, like if you want to start off on the right foot. Doesn't get much better than that. Just some dude, some random dude screaming at you, Mortal Kombat, and then fire. <laughs> like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> I don't even know what this is, but that dude yelled at me and there's fire. hundred <laughs> so percent, yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of rankings, I, I, think, I think y'all are both right on the money. Um, Double Dragon is one that I never have any interest it in sucks coming so back much. To it. I saw it. It's so bad. It sucks that's, so that's much. That's the one that you can
1: yeah, watch is. for free on YouTube because somebody just put it up there and no one has bothered to do a copyright strike to take it down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nobody cares. And it makes me, it hurts me because uh, Mark Dacascos play plays one of the Lee brothers in that. And I've always really liked him. Uh, he's gotten some fun moments to shine in more recent days, but Much like Robin Show, uh, he was one of those guys that maybe should have had a better career than he's had. He's he's consistently worked, but whenever he got
1: level that he probably should have been able to yeah
2: yeah i mean you, you got that you got a couple other movies that didn't quite hit with audiences and then you have like brotherhood with of the wolf it's oh, like a, yeah. a, a strange foreign film that you know only only people that are interested in that sort of thing it's a weird movie there's there's native americans doing kung fu in it yep. <laughs> um, in a period film it's it is hey, it is a strange beast <laughs> another
1: video game connection there same director as the silent hill movie
2: correct Not on yeah. that one yeah yeah, um and from an aesthetic standpoint both of those are are quite splendid to look at. Um Silent Hill some of the acting was oof kind of rough, but, kinda rough uh, yeah. but but it's absolutely gorgeous. Like from an audiovisual standpoint I I do think of that as one of the strongest video game adaptations out there. Um but yeah, I I think I think we all had a good take on this one, but uh thank you both so much for having me back uh yeah i've kind of a- been itching to to talk about straight up just video games with yous because uh i i mean i have a movie review podcast um <laughs> but obviously i have a thing or two to say about video games so maybe someday we'll get to that but thanks for having me for this movie discussion i really yeah appreciate it was it. a pleasure yeah,
0: absolutely Th- thank you for joining us again and uh, again everybody go listen to catching up on cinema uh my favorite movie podcast yeah, as for us, you can find us on HonestPiranha.com. You can find me at sinescapades on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find this podcast. Look, you know where to find this podcast. You're listening to it, but it's on all the podcast apps. I don't know what the next movie we're going to talk about is because we've got a year to decide. Bye, everybody! Scorpion, lost soul, of revenge. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what the got hell is that? Got dra- some or drag racers like, out
1: there or something.
0: Yeah, apparently. A death Race um, going
2: outside your window. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. That's
1: another Paul W.S. Anderson movie, isn't it? Death Race? Yeah,
2: it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a franchise, in fact. <laughs> it's a whole franchise, yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back.
1: Oh man, Batman's really here with us now.
2: I'm not wearing hockey pads. Where were the other drugs going? Where were the other drugs going? <laughs> I can't, no, no. I give those people. I give those people. <laughs>